dance, let's make a night. You won't remember, I'll be the one. You won't forget. How many lips does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll Center of a Tootsie Pop? A good question. Let's find out. One, two, three. It's over 9,000! If there's anything I can't stand, it's a smart alley. I hope you guys like that one. Because this is how it feels. It feels like we're talking about Tootsie Pops and licks of the Tootsie Pop uh, in regards to our elections. And that's just ridiculous that we're even in the position that we have to argue. <sighs> you know, I get really frustrated when I hear people uh, claiming that's not proven. This is fact. Who proved it is a fact? Was there an audit? Not that I know of. Hmm? Was there an audit? Does anybody know if there was an audit? We keep hearing about this. It was fair elections. They were not. So today we have, ah, oh, there's so much I want to talk about. I want to talk about our health and what's coming. I mean, last February, we talked about a lot of things that were coming. So today we should too. Uh, so let me start with just telling you guys how my day was yesterday. So yesterday was my birthday and I'm in a palindrome year, but it wasn't much of a celebration. And one, I shouldn't complain. Last year, I had the most amazing birthday in the world. I had never really had a birthday party. I had never been surprised. I had never felt, you know, celebrated at all. You know, I'm a person of the shadows. So it was, you know, from what you, my listeners did going behind my back. And I know I have a lot of listeners. So it was, um, you know, you guys caught me a car and it was the most amazing thing anyone could do. Uh, that was a pain point for me, but because uh, I was renting, I, I didn't have a car. And um, I, I think it took me at least a week to um, digest that. So thank you. Because, you know, all I had to do yesterday while I was... So let me explain to you what I was doing yesterday. So in my Supreme Court filing with the Secretary of State, I don't want to sound, you know, ah, I don't want to say too much because, I, I, you know, with my braces, maybe you guys can hear when I'm smiling. But anyway, with my Secretary of State race, let's just put it this way. I'm not, I'm not concerned. I think I can say that. Not for the race of the Secretary of State, but in general, me racing. Um, but when, when I saw the filings of reply brief that the secretary of state filed, uh, on Monday, I was like, oh my God, this is incredible. Now here's the thing. You all know that I'm a little bit OCD. I'm not a lawyer. I don't have JD after my name. I never claimed to, but I have done two years of law school out of a three-year program. I just, it was part of a job, an assignment I had, you know, so I didn't get a degree out of it. So it's like, whatever, who cares? But here's the thing. The one thing I can tell you about law school is that it teaches you how to read. 
<laughs> right? Teaches you how to read. So um, yesterday morning, on my birthday morning, I got up, I made a fantastic coffee, uh, and I picked up where I left off at 2 a.m. that same day. So that evening after my uh, show on the 7th, I sat down and I read their whole brief. I looked at all the alleged affidavits they put in there. I put all the evidence, the arguments. I mean, Amanda Grandine even dropped in the email where I, where I sent her the little smiley face, the kissy face, telling her, tell your boyfriend, Frank, he shouldn't have done that. Because um, I used to work the Ukraine desk. Anyway, as if. And then she was like, oh, my God, I'm being harassed on social media. It's like, bitch, when you go and steal an election, you know, that's the type of shit that happens. It's ratchet, 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 right? Um, but <laughs> there's my, my ghetto side coming out. I uh, sat down and read their whole brief inside and out. And then they were citing a case. They sweated that case so much. And the thing is, when, when, when my attorney that we found uh, filed uh, the brief, you know, I relied on, on him and the team uh, to provide him information. And, um, you know, they gave him the information they knew. But I knew what laws I needed to get in there. But I didn't have time. I was busy dealing with my other lawsuits. Right. As you guys know, I'm in a federal court uh, where I've sued uh, the school district and the governor of Ohio. And I also have my defamation suit against um, uh, Dominion Voting because they defame me, uh, mocking the Kraken and then suing, uh, you know, Sidney Powell and then defaming me within their suit to Sidney Powell, uh, alleging that I committed perjury. And it's like, yeah, you're not getting away with that. Dominion should get done in for libel. All of them will get done in for libel. So I've been working on that. Oh, and then there was this Akbar thing, which we're totally getting into because it's super fun. It just got super fun, like exponentially. So anyway, um, uh, I had had all that. So I was too busy to focus, right? When I get focused, it's, 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 you don't want my attention. See, it's kind of like, like Akbar, he didn't need my attention, but God made him get my attention because it was because he had my attention that I found the fraud of him stealing the Stop the Steal movement the minute the Kremer ladies were cut off Facebook. The next day he built groups with Facebook didn't cut him off. They cut them. Are you trying you, you see where I'm going with this? Because he's Lincoln Project. So let's just get over that hump. They got banned, but he didn't. Okay. And then he started saying, Oh, I'm doing all this stuff. Then I exposed him. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, if he hadn't attracted my attention for screaming so loud as if he was righteous and he knew what the fuck he was talking about, then I wouldn't have discovered that he was in the middle of all this election J6 shit. So moving along. They had my undivided attention with that filing. Why? Because the attorney at first dance was like, oh my gosh, we're just going to leave it and hope that the Supreme Court sees our arguments, sees theirs. And I was like, uh-uh, 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 no. We're filing a reply because we get to file a reply and we're going to file this reply. Yeah, but, you know, they put in affidavits and the state never goes against the state. And once I was like, don't worry about it. We're not even going to refute anything they say. We're going to use exactly what they said. The only way to win against corrupt people, liars, 
and cheaters is to use their words and their affidavits, of course. So, like I said, I spent the whole morning reading briefs so much that my cat, my elderly cat from Afghanistan, um, was meowing all the time, super annoying. And, uh, you know, I'd forgotten to eat lunch. I forgot to eat breakfast. I didn't do anything. Like I rolled out of my bed and into the chair and I, and I didn't even move. Like, uh, my phone, my phone was ringing so people could tell me happy birthday. And it was like five seconds. I can't talk or I just turned my whole phone off at some point. Cause I was like, no one's going to disrupt. Like I can't have a conversation. You're disrupting my mojo. Well, it turns out that the process that the secretary of state did in a stealthy way actually violated law and his own election manual. So that's sorted. So that's being filed tonight. Um, I actually wrote the whole thing up because the attorney was like, yeah, we're going to have a call like later on in the evening. I got a case in the morning. You know, he knew that we were going to have a call on Tuesday because Monday they filed it. Right. So we were going to have a call on Tuesday and I delayed it till the evening because he was busy anyway. In the meantime, I gave him the brief myself. Obviously he's going to fix it into legalese, but I got him on breaking the law. So there's two ways that this is going to go. Now, both of them are fantastic ways. I mean, I like the harder road because I just like that, I guess, because it, it tastes a lot better. You know, when you win, when it's the hard route, you know, when you have to climb a mountain, if you're just, you know, hopping over a ditch, it's no big deal. But the minute you jump over, you know, a long cliff, you know, that has jagged edges and sharks coming out of it and dinosaurs, you feel a little bit more accomplished. Okay, let's be straight. So there's two ways this could go that the judges do their job or that the Supreme Court doesn't. Now, the Supreme Court has to think, if I don't do this, she's not going to let it go. Because last time when we didn't even give her a response as to why we were not forcing DeWine to do his job and we refunded, by the way, the Supreme Court refunded me my money after filing against DeWine, right? I took that and I took it to federal court. But here's the thing. Supreme Court does that. I'm going to take it to federal court, but I'm not even going to go to the federal court to say, put me on the ballot. Cause I got another plan for that. I'm actually going to pursue to ensure that any of those people that I cite that were in that can never hold public office again. And you know, if you know, the Supreme court is just waiting for dilly dally shit. They're just waiting for it. The Supreme court is like, we need good sertorians. No, no, no. Well, how about a sixth circuit case? This is why I say, you know, if the hard road comes, I'm all right with that because I already have other avenues. So I'm just going to have to wait and see because I don't decide. God does. And so all I have to do is um, make sure that I can, I have avenues and I've mapped them all out. So yesterday, that is what I did. At 10 o'clock at night, I had finished um, putting the arguments concisely together. In fact, I actually tapped friends and some are legal friends. I can't say that I had legal advice, right? Um, basically they were just on the phone with me while I was reading and editing and they were watching me edit and edit online where we were sharing. Uh, I was so happy that one of them was like, when are you taking the bar? Uh, man, I slam dunked them so hard. Like they can't even move. They can't even move. Um, I mean, I do have an advantage, 
I'm a little bit upgraded, so it's not fair. But um, I wanted to say that's what I did. So my kids were calling me at like six. Like, hey, we're having dinner. You can come over, mom. Let's take out. I'm not going out. Okay, we're cooking. Phoebe went out, got food to cook. I didn't get to the house till 10 p.m., 10, 10 to be exact. And um, food was cold. <laughs> uh, the cake was like whatever. Um, it, you know, the, they had lit the candles. They melted. You know, it took forever to get through the door because I was snuggling Nick's, you know, the Akita. Um, but we ate, which was great. I wanted us to play board games, but Phoebe had school the next day. So you know how that goes, right? So that was my birthday. Uh, my birthday was working. Not only working, but coming up with other things to do because there's a new federal suit that I'm going to file in the interest of the people of Ohio. I'm going to do it pro se. I can't even, I don't need a lawyer to file stuff like this for me, right? Because I'm a pretty good litigator, right? Uh, and I can write stuff, but you know, um, today I decided to do it. Like that was in the back burner. Today I just flipped out. Um, Obviously, um, I went to run errands that I haven't been able to run for two weeks and I ran into this small business and I was like, oh, it looks granola munching. I fancy a, a nice latte after having such a shitty time at the bank today. Um, I fancy a nice latte. I wanted to get a ginger snap latte. I walk in and it's your typical confused pronoun people there, but that's fine. They make great coffee, right? I'm there for the coffee. Don't care what, you know signs they have on their shirt, whatever. And um, I uh, got myself a ginger snap latte. And then I see this yellow sign that says, proof of vaccination required if you're going to sit in and dine. And it's like, wait, I was like, hey, did you like forget this? Because this is kind of like not legal. And right next to it was like a BLM thing. I was like, no, it's, they have to be. And I was like, all right. Um, you have a BLM, which is, you know, showing support to not discriminate people based on color. But then you have this yellow sign here, yellow, like the yellow Jewish stars, that is discriminating people that are not up to your health scratch requirement. Now, we're a private business. We could do whatever. I was like, where does it stop? Someone that has AIDS, someone that's amputated, a pregnant person, when does it stop that they have to show you their status to be able to sit here? We're a private business. We could do anything we want. I said, see, as secretary of state, <laughs> I'm going to ban any fucking business that does any shit like that. They'll have 30 days to either change their policies or ship the fuck out. That's the way it goes. You follow the constitution or you can't do business in my state. That's the way it is. And I was like, well, you know, if someone sues you, no one's going to sue me. I was like, let me snap a picture of this. Yep, adding her to that list because that's exactly what we need to do. We can't sit there like the little video that I put like a prelude on 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 Rumble was this um was this TikTok of a man saying there are things that you can do and there's things that you cannot do. For example, I can't fly into space or high enough to whatever is space and take a picture and show you what planet earth looks like. But what I can do is subpoena the shit out of agencies that will give me real pictures or admissions. Right. I can't obviously yet. I can't do the job of the governor of Ohio and force businesses to do 
as our state constitution says, but I can file a lawsuit like I have to force them to, right? So where there's many things that we could do and there's no point in sitting there and complaining when we can do things. Now, I know a lot of people aren't in the position to file lawsuits, but you can always get together in a group and I'm always open for conversation with a bunch of people that have a bunch of businesses on a list that are telling them they need to be get vaccinated and we can figure that out and we can figure it out. We don't need fancy lawyers to do it for us. I mean, it's easier if they want to do their job, right? Or they can, or they see things the way you do, but you don't. Being a lawyer is simply being able to read and then interpret what you read and then convince the other that what you read is what you said, basically. So that out of the gate. So where do we start? I thought that um, we could start on Fauci, and now let's leave Fauci for the end. Because you know what I wanted to do? Let's have a little bit of fun before I get into the to the talks that people don't want to hear in regards to health and, and what's coming and what's happening. And what's really weird is that God, if for some reason, so some crazy reason, um, I came into communications with a couple people from different states and they, and they said one thing to me and it's just passing in conversation. Oh, you know, a friend of mine, um, you know, their friend died of this. It was so sudden. And then, you know, some other friend from another state, uh, that called to say happy birthday, say, Oh, you know, you know, this person died from, from this, you know? And then I was like, you know, second time I heard this, it's really weird in like a short time span of a couple weeks. Uh, so did that friend get the vaccine? Oh yeah, of course they always comply and they're obedient. Great. Um, birthday vibes. Thank you, D. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, then my own lawyer tells me, Hey, you know, this has happened. Um, you know, I don't know. You know what? Let me share this with, let me share the screen of rumble quickly so that people can see where I'm at on Facebook because you know, it's a matter of time on that. I don't know. Too, you know what? Let so me share I'm on rumble. With, you can join another 5,000 people there quickly, if you want so that people always can see on rumble. where I'm at. It's free on Facebook yeah, because through your you know, computer it's a matter of time. Look on up I don't know. Says. You know what? You know, let so me share I'm on rumble. You can have conversations. Join another 5,000 people there if you want so that always on rumble. you guys on Facebook because so I wanted to say, um, it seemed really peculiar. And then, and then, as I was sitting before starting my show to tidy up on my Supreme Court thing with my campaign manager, I uh, saw something that I had missed in my notes. In my notes. And these notes were from 2005. And even though I had discussed the Ebola, the Marburg, um, there were byproducts that were going to be uh, preludes to it that I had missed. So we're going to talk about those byproducts that come in the second half of the show. In the first half, what I want to do is talk about Fauci. You know, Fauci's going to end, the first half is going to end with Fauci being in the witness protection program. But I thought we could actually watch the interview that um, President Trump had with uh, Full Send on their podcast. 
Um, and like someone said, he talked about my case without talking about my case, which was pretty cool. So I wanted to share that with you guys because um, it's pretty cool. And um, it was pretty relaxed and it was kind of something different, something that we've never seen uh, President Trump do. So without further ado, maybe I'll pause every 10 minutes because I want to see the full thing. I haven't had time. I've been running around all day uh, figuring out if I should um, file. A, what is it called? Um, it's like a motion. Oh, wait. You guys want to see funny stuff first? Hold on. Let me share this first. Let me just share this first. I want to share with you guys the Ali Akbar situation because you guys really need to see this. So you know Ali Akbar, right? I've uh, subpoenaed him uh, to speak to the defamation. You know, he's defamed me constantly. He supposedly said that, you know, he's an expert in elections. He knows everything. You know, that, that the, the guy who pretends he's not gay but had a 12-year-old boy that he was best friends with mocking some white cream on his face saying, oh, it's not special cream, it's ice cream. And it's like, that's disgusting. The boy is 12, right? You know, Ali Akbar, the one that has the Habsburg chin, the one who I'll depose him and his chin. He is not getting away with it. The one that used to be Carl Rove's lover, McCain's, you know, all of that. The guy hired by the Lincoln Project to infiltrate, uh, you know, uh, people that were doing good things. Well, let me show you something. So here's the deal. Um, we have served Ali Akbar. Remember, I filed my lawsuit last year. We served him at his house, but he was playing hide and go seek. And his boyfriend came out and drove his car. Vin confirmed too, right? We confirmed everything. Uh, his boyfriend went out, got two coffees and came back. Um, and, um, you know, we served him there. We sent it to his P.O. box where he gets all this mail from his fans. So we have evidence of that, that he opens up his box. He gets fans from his mail, uh, mail from his supposed fan. I don't know how this guy has fans. Like these people have got to be brain dead. Um, anyway, and his boyfriend, who I have multiple pictures with of uh, Ali and him uh, in, on January 5th and January 6th together, right, uh, was served. Uh, he's been mailed twice, by the way, and we have it on video. Uh, he's just not responded to the case thinking it's just going to go away. This is federal court, boy. You're not getting away. You like to talk a lot of shit. I got video, tweets, emails, and then I'm going to subpoena the shit out of your private messages. So that's going to be fun, right? That's going to be super fun considering I don't have them already. Um, so there was, a, remember, like I told you that I had outed him for hijacking the stop the steal and he was making money for himself. And then big league politics put out an article calling him out. Well, the next day after that article popped, he created a company in Alabama called stop the steal. So he can excuse why he was getting money. It's the same scam he did when he got caught defrauding people with his blog thing, uh, you know, years ago. So this dude, this tool named Baron Coleman, sends an email to the attorney that I have from his law firm in Alabama. You guys can feel free to Google it. He was in business with Ali. And he threatened my attorney with sanctions and all this shit, right? So obviously, he's obviously representing the guy. He obviously knows when Ali goes to the bathroom because he knew the specific time that he left and came back from Texas to say that he wasn't there. But that was the only one time that we served him. We served him other times too, right? 
So he sent this email, you know, so obviously you're just going to assume he's his attorney. So he just got served again. And we're going to forgive him for ignoring all the subpoenas and he can take it from here now, right? Um, but this tool sent that email, this idiot, this guy that did the stop the steal. And he did other companies with Ali Akbar when they're funneling money. This is the money laundering attorney he has. And I dare him to say anything about that because he could talk all the shit he wants. Mr. GB Coleman, you want to use the middle name Baron, um, feel free. I stand by every single word I utter. So this guy sends this, he called it a fraudulent filing claiming you perfected service. Uh, I'm formally, no one form <laughs> like no one filed anything about it yet. But we're going to file it now because you've just been served too. So um, this is it. He's going to, he threatened bar complaints, right? This loser threatened bar complaints against my Marine juggernaut of an attorney, this loser. So I just want you to know just how horrible these people are and how disgusting they are. And feel free to look into who this Baron Coleman is. I mean, I did the nice to not, you know, he can't even spell Russell correctly. I'm just going to say the guy's illiterate too. Like, look at what he's doing. Um, look at what he's doing. It's like, he's, he's nuts. So I wanted to share that to you because this is where Ali Akbar's puckering butthole is happening. And it's a lot of fun to watch. Because as long as he's having fun, right, it's a lot harder for him. <laughs> no, it's going to be a lot more fun for me to watch him fall. See, the thing about evil people is that they go high, high up, and then their fall is like drastic. So that's the good stuff. So I just wanted to share that with you because that was a nice chuckle, nice and, you know, nice cap um, for me tonight. So let's get, without further ado, let's, let's listen to our president, what he had to say. Let's go. We'll come to North Korea. A lot of people, you know. We'll do, I'll be on, I won't be on that one, but yes, the we end will. Of the day. <laughs> <laughs> da, 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 da. None of us understand the severity of what we're actually doing. So so no, remember, the Secret Service is probably listening, right? Always. I'm well aware. When we dab up Trump, how are you going to dab him up? Shake his hand. You're going to shake his hand? I'm going to go in for like the shoulder bump. Really? Yeah. Trump does not know that Bob Menery is coming in hot. I can guarantee that. <laughs> I'll tell you what, he's about to. Yeah, no, he's about to. Sure. Yeah. All right, boys. So we are on the way to go meet and interview Donald Trump right now. Bob Menery, Kyle Folsom Podcast. I think he's going to be the biggest podcast in the world. Keep doing what you're doing. Appreciate that. Love the podcast, guys. Good Thank luck, you, right? Thank you, sir. Thank Appreciate you, it. You're the man. All right, Marlago. Here we are. This is crazy, boys. Yo, this is actually insane. Donald Trump. We probably got a lot of new people watching right now. You guys are wondering who we are. We're the Nelk Boys. We got the podcast channel. We got our main channel, Nelk. Steve has his own channel. If you guys want to check us out, we got all our links in the descriptions. We got a bunch of funny shit. YMCA. Well, actually, come on. I, I was going to be a lot worse. I almost had, I had like mustard stains and ketchup stains on my shit. Oh, was thanks like, for putting on a new uh, sweater a new for us. I was, like, I, I was like, fuck, I forget. This is actually really how you guys do things around here. We've been on the road for like three yeah. weeks. About to sit down. Just want to say shout out to all our Medicard holders. We're about to do this for you boys right now. Everyone on the Discord watching. We love you boys. Uh, <laughs> Donald Trump is gonna sit right there. I'm gonna be right here. Oh God. Hey, 
me, I'll tell you, Dana White thinks the world of you guys. Really? The world. You know that, right? Yeah. And you like him. Of course. You better, right? Yeah. All right, good. Let's go. Pleasure and honor, sir. It was my honor. Thank you. See you. Right. Thanks for doing this for us. Uh -huh. Thanks so much for doing this, Thank man. you. Good to see you again. Thank you. We're doing this pleasure. You can sit right here. All right. Stop. The guy said, nice to meet you, Mr. President. Okay, I'm in love with that dude. I just wanted to say that. That was fire right there. Let's go. Great. So, yeah, we'll go for it. We're at, uh, at Mar-a-Lago. Can't even believe this is happening. We got Donald Trump, President of the United States. Round of applause. Round of applause. Thank you, Round of Trump. applause, hey. man. Thank you. We're really, really excited to be doing this. It's, it's my honor. My honor. You come highly recommended by Dana White, and that's good enough for me. So what did Dana, what did Dana say to you? How well, did they said you are a wonderful group of people. I guess you're friends of his, and uh, Very you good do friends. the UFC thing, and uh, he's done an incredible job. And he, when he said that, I was, I've been with Dana for a long time. He's been my friend for a long time. And uh, I said, that's good enough for me. But you do. You've done a great job. We've become such good friends with Dana. We've always been fans of the UFC, but kind of met him through his son, was a big fan of our, right. of our content. So right. it's been a blessing to be able to be friends with Dana White. He's such a good guy. He is. He does. I tell you, I don't know what would happen with UFC without him. That's one man. They say uh, you can always replace somebody. I'm not sure if that man is replaceable. Definitely not. No. He's, uh, I know. What's the, what's the UFC going to be like when Dana's gone? Well, he'll be there for a long time. So we're not going to have to worry about that, right? Don't you think? I expected you to be rolling in here with no suit on, coming off the golf course. I was expecting, yeah, you always rocking the no, suit. No, I'm, I'm a worker. I work hard. I work long hours. I work hard. I see what's going on with our country right now. It's never been in a position like this. Now we're going to get oil, I hear, from Venezuela and Iran. Now think of this, and Russia. Uh, if you would have told me that just a short while ago we had oil at $30 a barrel and even less, and now we're up to, you see what's happening today. You guys probably haven't because you've been sitting here for a half an hour. But uh, if you were watching every every 10 minutes, it's going, it's like, a, it's like a rocket ship going up. And that's costing the world. It's cost, it's also fueling Russia, but it's costing the world. The energy has never gone. It just broke a record, an all-time record uh, per barrel. And there's never been anything like this. And we had it down to $30 a barrel and really even less in a sense. We had a fight to keep it up because we had so much of it. We were going to be uh, twice as big as Russia and Saudi Arabia combined. And that would have taken place in a very short while. We were already energy independent and we were already became number one. And now they cut way back and it's all for uh, the environment. And we had the cleanest air and the cleanest water yet recorded during my last year. So it's uh, what's happening now is horrible. What's happening in Ukraine is uh, it's genocide. It's Nobody's ever seen anything like it. And because of modern technology and the cell phones and everything, you get to see all of this, all of these atrocities. You, you're seeing them on tape, on television. Nobody's ever seen anything like this. So yes. would you blame the gas prices? Is that because of this conflict in Ukraine or is it like a combo of things? No, I don't. I think it's because of that a little bit. But uh, we right now would have been if we left our policies in place, we would have been able to supply the world with energy. And you probably wouldn't have a war for a lot of reasons. Number one, Putin would not have done it. He would not have done it. Uh, this would never have taken place uh, if you 
had a person that did very well in the election. I'm being very nice when I say that, too. I'm being very kind. Uh, we did phenomenally in the election, 12 million more votes than we got uh, the previous time. Uh, if the election, if we were running, if you had the Trump administration in there, there would be no war, number one. Yeah. And number two, uh, energy prices would have been down. War or no war, they would have been very low because we were dominant. We were becoming, uh, I call it energy dominance. We were dominant in energy and getting more so by the day. Nice. Well, why wouldn't, why wouldn't there have been a war? Because you were in office? No, because I understood Putin. I talked to Putin. I spoke to him about Ukraine. And I said, don't do it. And I won't go into the exact conversation, but uh, under certain, uh, uh, if certain people ask, I'll tell them exactly what the conversation was. But we look weak. We look stupid. Mm-hmm. We look like we don't know what we're doing. And nobody's ever seen the country like this. Uh, and uh, let me tell you, it really began not only with a horrible weak border, but it really began when they so incompetently withdrew from Afghanistan. I got it down to 2,000 soldiers. We were going to withdraw, but we weren't leaving $85 billion worth of equipment. We weren't leaving dead soldiers. And I spoke to the Taliban, the leader, Abdul, and I said, don't ever kill any of our soldiers. Don't ever kill one more soldier. We're going to hit you harder than you've ever been hit before. And we went 18 months without a soldier being killed, without an American being, think of it, without an American being killed in Afghanistan. Not Democrat-run Chicago or New York, but in Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. And 18 months, and then they did this withdrawal, which after 21 years was the right thing to do. But we were doing it. That's why we were down to 2,000 soldiers. But it was so incompetently handled between the death and the $85 billion. They have better equipment than almost any country in the world. And now Afghanistan is one of the largest seller of arms anywhere in the world because they're selling it. I was going to say, Afghanistan seems like it's overlooked at times right now. Like people forget about what's actually, what is actually the current state of Afghanistan right now? Well, I hear it's a mess. Uh, I hear we're sending a lot of money to Afghanistan, if you can believe this. Uh, They're asking for money and we're sending it. Uh, They have 700,000 machine guns, guns, rifles of all types. Uh, they're selling a lot of them. They don't need that many. They don't have, there's no way they can use what we left. They have helicopters. They have planes. They're selling equipment to other countries. They're giving equipment to China and to Russia because they're going to re-engineer, de-engineer. They're going to come out with a helicopter just like our great helicopter. We have the greatest helicopters in the world. They now have them and they're going to duplicate them. Uh, Afghanistan was, I think, the most embarrassing moment in the history of our country, the way we got out. Uh, we looked like we were surrendering, which in a sense, I guess they were. Uh, to take the soldiers out before you take the American people out. American citizens are over there right now trying to get out. They can't. Uh, but to take the soldiers out first instead of last. First you take the people. Then you may take some people from Afghanistan, not hundreds of thousands. We have no idea who we took out. We have no idea who we took out. But we take the people and we take all the equipment. And I said, I don't want to leave a screw, a nut, a bolt. I want everything. What about the hangers, sir? Take them out. Mm -hmm. The big leather and plastic hangers with steel. I said, you take them out. You take everything out. What does that mean, take them out, though? Take them out. Take them out of the country. What you do is you take them, you take your equipment out. We left thousands and thousands of pairs of night goggles, 
Never even unpacked. Brand new. Better than what we have. The latest model. Uh, all of the, I understand seven, 70,000. Think of this, because who has anything? 70,000 trucks and vehicles. 70,000. There's no company in this country that has that many. And a lot of them are armor-plated, unbelievably expensive, like, you know, 10 times the cost of a vehicle itself. Uh, 70,000 vehicles we left there, trucks and other vehicles. Uh, and I, I tell you, so Putin was watching. We were all watching. You guys were watching. Mm-hmm. And the level of incompetence, and it looked like we ran the airport, the riot, the bombs going off, killing our soldiers, 13 killed, but many badly wounded. You know, they don't talk about the ones with no legs and with no arms and as bad as that and worse, in a sense. I mean, some of our soldiers were so badly wounded, hurt, and nobody talks about that. We talk about the 13 dead. Uh, We talk about the unbelievable incompetence that that period, that short period of time had. But I believe that that was the beginning because Putin would have never done it with me. He would have never going to take over Ukraine. Do you ever talk to Putin still? No, I haven't spoken to him uh, since, but uh, he was never, ever going to, certainly under the Trump administration. And I say zero chance. I don't say like, I don't think zero chance he would have done it. And I spoke to him about it. Zero chance he would have done it. Right, but you have he a good. Saw, yeah, he, good. he saw the weakness. He saw Afghanistan. That the way the incompetence of the withdrawal, the way they did it, was so bad. Who advised them to take soldiers out first and leave people behind? And the soldiers were in no danger. We had again, not one soldier was killed in eighteen months. American soldier, mm-hmm. and when they saw the incompetence, the gross incompetence of that, I believe that. Uh, Putin was became a different man when he saw that. He viewed the United States differently. He no longer respected the United States. I believe that President Xi of China became a different man. They saw that too. And they see the borders that are open. They see all of the horrible things that are happening at the border where millions and millions of people are flowing in. We have no idea who they are. I mean, I don't know exactly what your audience is, but you probably have a somewhat liberal audience, a young audience, and that's good. I think it's pretty but whether you're, Republican, though, as well. It, it could be. A lot of support. But whatever it is, whether you're Republican, Democrat, liberal, conservative— but Why this never so would have happened—why this never would have happened, the Russia-Ukraine thing, is because of your relationship, because you were stern with Putin. Is that why? Well, not because of my relationship, but really because of the fact I told him— he can't do it. So he can you pick up? It. So can you pick up the phone call right now? Make a call to Putin and say, as a you're not a president anymore, but as an American citizen, can you pick up the phone and so, somewhat resolve what's going things. on? First of all, you really have to be in a position where you're president. You are president, and you do that. And uh, this would have never happened. A hundred percent would have never happened. And we spoke about it because I knew that he had a love for it. You know, he, hey, look, they took over Crimea under Obama. And Biden, but they took over Crimea like, like Grant took Richmond, okay? They took it over. It was very quick, and they took it over a major, very powerful section, probably in many ways the most powerful section. They have their submarine bases, and they took it over, and that was it. Nobody did anything about it. Uh, under Bush, they took over Georgia, and I don't mean Georgia that we all know and love. I mean the other Georgia— and they took that over, and they took it over 
very easily without any repercussions, very, very easily. And now uh, they're taking over the whole ball of wax under Biden. And it's really, a, really a disgraceful situation. Uh, it would have never happened. And we did talk about it. I mean, he definitely wanted Ukraine, loved Ukraine, would never have happened. What do you see happening next then? Because it seems like the tensions are high. What? How does this all end? Is this going to be like a long-term thing? How do you see it unfolding? Well, I, and I said this a long time ago, if this happens, uh, we are uh, playing right into their hands, green energy, the windmills, they don't work. They're too expensive. They kill all the birds. They ruin your landscapes. And yet the environmentalists love the windmills. And I've been preaching this for years, the windmills, and I had them way down but the windmills are the most expensive energy you can have, uh, and they don't work. And by the way, they last a period of 10 years, and by the time they start rusting and rotting all over the place, nobody ever takes them down. They just go onto the next piece of prairie or land and destroy that. It's incredible that they want But other forms of uh, green energy, they don't have the power to power our factories. They're extremely expensive. And I preached loud and clear to Angela Merkel, you are making a tremendous deal by making this deal with Russia, with Nord Stream 2. And until I came along, nobody knew what Nord Stream 2 was. And you guys know that. I was telling her loud and clear and publicly. And in fact, I sent her something as a little gift. It was a white flag. It was a flag of surrender. She said, but what is this? I said, that's a flag of surrender. So that when Russia... Uh, gets hostile, which they have. I mean, if you look at a history of a couple of hundred years with Germany and Russia, has not been exactly pretty, whether it's World War I, World War II. Take a look at what, what's gone on. I sent her the white flag of surrender because she said it was 45%. I said it's 75 or 80% of their energy, and I told her that. And they wrote articles about it two years ago. You should look at those articles. I was exactly right. I said... Russia has you in a position that you've never been in before if you do this deal. It's insane to do this deal. Mm -hmm. What are you doing? In the meantime, they closed down all of their plants. They closed down their nuclear, which even the environmentalists like nuclear, whether you like it or not. Mm -hmm. I understand both versions very strongly. But environmentally, it's probably the best thing. They closed down their nuclear plants. And they're reliant, and I will say almost entirely if this thing ever played out, Germany is reliant on Nord Stream 2, the pipeline. And I sent her the white flag of surrender. That's what, And it's turned out to be true. Nobody brings this up because the press never likes to talk about it, but nobody brings this up. But I said, that's going to be, it's going to go down as one of the dumbest deals ever made, along with lots of the dumb deals that the United States is making. So now I hear, and you guys were here waiting, but while you were waiting, I was listening that we're going to make a deal with Venezuela <laughs> to get some of their oil capacity. And we're going to make a deal with Iran that wants to build a nuclear weapon. I ended the Iran deal. They would never would have had it. We would have had a deal one week after the election. We would have had a deal with Iran, a really great deal. Because I told China, you can't buy. If you buy oil from Iran, there's no more business at all to be done with the United States. And they didn't. They bought very little. And Iran wanted to make a deal. Now China's buying massive amounts of oil, and Iran's becoming very rich. And just to finish off, the worst thing that's happening is that this administration and Obama, but this administration, Biden, and Obama, 
and Obama, like I said, there's two things I want to accomplish in this year. One is drag the truth into the light, kicking and screaming about election fraud. And two, I want to begin impeaching 44. I mean, they did try to impeach 45 after he was out of office. So maybe it's our turn. I think that's quite important. So let's skip forward to, let me see, is it this part? Reserves. The press doesn't, was down to 30 and even less than that. Actually, we had so much energy that for a period of time, if you took the oil, take a barrel of oil, mm-hmm. they'll give you $36 along with that. In other words, now this was no good for Wall Street because they don't do that. They just do paper. They would have had to take, we had so much that if you take the oil, so you get a barrel of oil, here's 37. You remember that little period of time? Yeah, simplify everything for our audience today. Simplify everything, right? Right. So, no, calling was, our audience dumb? Well, that's pretty no, simple. No, I wasn't calling our audience dumb. I'm saying I just want to like, you know, keep, continue, Don. So. Stop for a second. I want to show you guys what you've done. Okay, because we're going to get back to it. They keep talking about gas because that's a pain point. I want to show you what you have done. Because we did this. We started this in August. We did this. The media is losing their mind with these stickers. They are losing their mind. What the hell? Why am I getting ads? I'm signed in, right? Yeah. They're losing their minds with our stickers. Can you see that? Losing their minds. Let's see. Look at this. Hold on. People are losing their minds, remember. And, you know, I know a lot of people were like, well, if we keep sticking those ideas and stickers, are they really going to do anything? And it's like, wait a minute, you guys, are you, are you not paying attention to how the world works? L-G-B. 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 They say L-G-B everywhere. I go L-G-B. What it means. I don't know. L-G-B. Whatever it is. L-G-B. Kamala, help me. Please. Please. All righty then. Thank you. <laughs> Let's go, Brandon. Right? L-G-B. This means let's go, Brandon. No. L-G-B. Sounds like let's go, Brandon. I guess. L-G-B. All right. Let's go, Brandon. I am Cornelio. Chant. L-G-B. Right wing and left wing. L-G-B. Go, you know the thing. L-G-B. If you don't sing that back. And you claim black. L-G-B. Let's go, Brandon. L-G-B. Let's go, Brandon. L-G-B. Let's go, Brandon. F-J-B. Let's go, Brandon.
Elvis falling under attack A mighty sucker punch came flying in from somewhere in the back Soon as we could see clearly through our big black eye Man, we lit up your world like the 4th of July taken a cognitive no i haven't taken a test why the hell would i take a test come on man that's like saying you before you got in this program if you take a test where you're taking cocaine or not what do you think huh are, are you a junkie by the way this is my little sister valerie and i'm jill's husband oh no this oh you switched on me this is my wife this is my sister they switched on me but i tell you if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or trump and you ain't black. There is not a single solitary reason in the world why, why, as I said, we shouldn't be in a position that everybody, and that's my wife, Jill. Hey, Jilly, I'm Jill's husband, actually. And Corn Pop was a bad dude. And he ran a bunch of bad boys. And I did, yeah, he, and back in those days, you see how things have changed? Play the radio. Make sure the television, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night. The, the, the phone, make sure the kids hear words. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by, go, you know the, you know the thing. Because if you could take care, if you were a quartermaster, you can sure in hell take care of running a, you know, a department store uh, thing, you know, where, and the second floor of the ladies' department, or whatever, you know what I mean? Well, I'm sick and tired of smart guys. <laughs> you know, the rapidly rising uh, um, uh, in with, uh, with, uh, I don't know. Uh, you ever been to a caucus? No, you haven't. You're a lying dog-faced pony soldier. Why, why attack Sanders? Why, 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 you're getting nervous, man. What kind of country are you going to be? Four more years of George, uh, George, uh, he uh, is going to find ourselves in a position where 
if uh, Trump gets elected. It's this little sticker that's popping up across gas stations all across North Alabama. It's a picture of Joe Biden, and they place it next to the high dollar signs, and underneath it says, I did that. And while it might seem like a funny political message to some, it could actually cost the gas stations a fine for vandalism. I take off five, five or six a day from our different pumps. Now that war is sending oil prices skyrocketing, and as gas prices surge in response, some people are voicing their concern with a satirical sticker at the pump. Victor Jones, Nicole Zedek joins us live now with how a small sticker is causing big problems for local gas stations. reason that I'm showing you all this, and for those of you listening on the podcast, uh, the music and the uh, voiceover of Joe Biden was clearly showing in his own, you know, in, in the whole state of Vermont, uh, was it Vermont or Delaware? I forgot already. He was showing all the gas stations. He went to all of them. All of them had multiple Joe Biden stickers. And the thing is, it's a protest, right? You're protesting like that. But for me, when I told you, let's put Trump one stickers, let's put, I did that stickers. The reason we're doing it is because by them constantly seeing it, it subliminally tells them, he won. It subliminally tells them it's that dude's fault. Don't listen to the shit that they're telling you. When the when the when the time comes with the election fraud, they're all going to be woke. And this is why we started this in August, while other people will never know that it started with just a you know tens of thousands of people on Telegram, right? We started this in August, and look, it's March now, right? It's March. And in just six months, it's blown off. This is how you make yourself heard. This is how you do it. It's a sticker. It's a sticker. I, I, like I told you, I was putting them all over shopping carts. I, I put them on food, you know, when prices were going up. Uh, this is where you make your statement every single time. You know, my daughter, uh, a couple, oh, I was, um, a month ago or a month and a half ago, her truck had a problem and she took it to get serviced. Uh, you know, and Hera's not incredible in, you know, making sure she secures her stuff before she goes somewhere because she really doesn't care. But there were a stack of I did that stickers and Trump won stickers and a bunch of others. Do you know that the guy that fixed her car was like, yo, I took some of your stickers and I just gave you some of these. <laughs> he like took some of them because he liked them. See, uh, People are waking up. People are waking up. And that's what's important. Uh, that you don't ever listen to anyone saying like, you're not effective. <laughs> Who else is effective? You guys started the lawsuits. You guys started going to the school boards. Nobody else did. Not these organized groups that did it after you. You started the fire. I want you, every single one of you to remember, you did that. You did that yourself. So like the clip on the rumble thing, the TikTok where the guys like do what you can and you know don't don't fret about the things you can't. You just did what you could. And you're waking up millions. Cuz now everyone's on the sticker bandwagon. And not only that, they freaking love it too. They freaking love it. So let's get back to the interview. <laughs> like that's crazy. I'm sorry to be no. laughing. I mean, no, you're the first you're Kim the first Jong president to meet with the North Korea Seven billion dollars a year. Okay, Thanks. meet with I a North Korean leader, right? Yeah. So what's that for? So he called you. you. 
And we got along very well. Uh, I understood him. What's like the first call? Is say like, hey, what's up, Mr. Well, Trump? Well, like- it wasn't a call. We we got through people. A meeting was set up in Singapore, and then in Vietnam, we had two meetings. But we didn't have the problem that the Democrats would have had. They would have had a nuclear war with North Korea. I have no doubt about it. Kim Jong Un wanted nothing to do with them. It. This was. Look, this is years now. We would have had a nuclear war with North Korea. Who, who's coughing back there? Are you okay? Is that your crew? That's a, that's the media all, that's will say Trump's Mr. coughing. Mr. There must Trump. be something wrong with him. We, we run a pretty laid back. We run a pretty laid back thing. We're all good. We're all good. But, so continue but, on. But let's, let me just say, we would have had war with North Korea. North Korea is a major nuclear power. Mm-hmm. But I hate hearing Biden say, no, we don't want anything to do with Russia. They're a nuclear power, but so are we. And we're a bigger nuclear power. And we have brand new, because of me, nuclear weapons that we didn't have. And we have renovated weapons that were very old. And now they're renovated. And we never want to use them. And by the way, you know how you're not going to use them? By having them. If you didn't have them, we would have big problems. Mm -hmm. But we have them. But Biden shouldn't be talking the way he's talking. Because he's playing right into... He's playing right into Putin's hands. Putin, I've never heard this from a leader outside of Kim Jong-un, I guess, to a large extent. But Putin now talks about his nuclear capability all the time. He said, this is a, you do the no-fly zone, you do this. We're a nuclear country. And Biden's saying they're a nuclear country. Mm-hmm. It's so weak. It's sending such a bad Would you have out. a no-fly and zone? I have to say this. Yeah. The... The bombing of these cities yeah. indiscriminately, the bombing of these cities and the killing of all these people is a tragedy. This is, this is a tragedy like I don't think we've witnessed since World War II. No, it's crazy what's going on. No, they're bombing. You know, in Florida, we're in Florida. You had a building collapse in Florida on the beach, as you know, through bad structural engineering or rust or something. A lot of people were killed in that building. He's bombing much bigger buildings, and they're collapsing. And then they say, you see this massive building coming down all over the place. People are in that building. But you see the building come down, and then they say, two people were hurt. No, no. No, when a building like that comes down, many people die. It's not two people are hurt. Mm -hmm. But they're coming down all over, and they're being blown to pieces. And so we had a... A case in Florida, as you know, on the shore where a building collapsed for totally different reasons, but it collapsed. Well, buildings are collapsing now in Ukraine, and there are tens of thousands of people being killed, and nobody's reporting it. The press is trying to gloss it over. And I think if Putin is successful in taking over Ukraine, uh, depending on what your definition of success is, because you know, potentially millions of people are going to die, and it could lead to mm-hmm. third world war. Mm-hmm. By the way, it could lead to a third world war. Mm-hmm. I think That's that crazy. I think what is going on now is a direct reflection on the Obama administration because it should have never happened. Uh, Donald, so switching topics here. Uh, you seen what happened to Joe Rogan, right? It's a hard segment. Him being called a, a racist and everything like that. I wonder what's your reaction to when someone calls you a racist, um, like. What's your like initial reaction? Well, to that? it used to be a terrible reaction, but now it's everybody's called a racist today. Yeah, anybody that's the enemy of the other side, people that are the exact opposite of racist are called racists, 
And it's a very hurtful word, but it's, it's lost a lot of its meaning because everybody is being called a racist today by the radical left, when actually they're the racists. They're really the racists in the truest sense of the word. So, you know, they call Joe Rogan, they call, they call anybody they disagree with a racist. So it, it, it tends to lose its meaning. And the people get it, you know, uh, with the um, black community, my vote was so much higher than in mm-hmm. the past with other Republicans. But with the Hispanic community, they're writing, they don't want to write about it, but the Hispanics, the vote was so incredible. You know, the along the Texas border, the other night in Texas, I endorsed 33 candidates and every single one of them won the election. There were a couple of runoffs, but they're all leading substantially. You have, I think, three runoffs, but they're all leading substantially. They'll win in the next two months. But we were 33 and 0. I didn't see any stories about it. I see no stories about it. Why do you think that is? Because the press is corrupt. They're dishonest. They don't want to say anything good is it about, all about Is it all about money, though? Because I feel like they don't... I don't feel like it's not actually about their morals. I feel like it's just about money. I don't think it's correct? money. I think it's combinations. It's money and, and uh, power Interest, like, and something. It's something. They're sick. I mean, something we deal with, too, is like we have our page and we're kind of controversial with the stuff we do. So we face a lot of censorship, too, like something we all deal with our our instagram page got taken down and they actually sent us a notice because it was too political our full send instagram page and we were just posting all about the afghanistan stuff not even taking a side well you know look at a certain point they'll do it if they feel that they have to joe rogan's not a racist no okay and he's a very interesting guy that people like listening to uh but you know they've been hitting him very hard i did tell him one thing stop apologizing Stop apologizing. What was his reaction to that when you, when you told him I don't him know, that? because I got the word. I put the word out. Did he ever reach out to you about going on? Uh, I don't know. I'd have to ask my people. You know, I'd, you Don's know, got people I have a lot Kyle. of people. Don's got no, because I, I, I thought I saw back in, I think during the debate times, you said that he should moderate a debate. Yeah, oh, he'd yeah. Be much that, yeah. Well, he's much more talented than Chris Wallace. That'd be and, great. <laughs> no, he's a much more talented person than just about all of these moderators. Joe Rogan there. should moderate an uh, <laughs> No, I said let Joe Rogan. What if they let Don Lemon in? Well, look, you know, I called him the dumbest <laughs> man on television, so he's never going to never going to love me. Uh, oh, hey, hey, it's very interesting. Yeah. Here's a test. Are you ready? This is a test for everybody. It'll be a small group of people. This interview will have millions and millions of people, assuming it's not touched. Let's see if they allow you. I hate to say this to you because you guys are going to chicken out, I, I guarantee. We don't chicken out, Don. If you put up this whole thing, watch. We don't chicken out, Don. If you, <laughs> no, no, we don't chicken out. I'll tell you right now. You we don't, don't chicken out? Don, we don't chicken Ready? out. Ready? Ready? Let's hear it. If you put up this whole interview, let's see what happens when Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and all of them take it down. And let's see what happens when they threaten you and all that. Because we don't have a free press in our country. Mm-hmm. We have a press not so different. This is the beginning of communism. We have a press not so different some, than countries we don't want to talk about. Do you remember during the campaign I said a lot, and really a lot, that if, we don't, if we're not careful, we're going to be a large-scale version of Venezuela. You know what? That's what's happening. Of course, now we're going to buy a lot of oil. We'll make... The few people remaining in Venezuela, including the dictator leader, a very rich man. The, the fact that we're going to buy oil from Venezuela is, is so, that we even think about it is so <laughs> incredible. But here's the deal. 
Let's see what happens to you when you say you're interviewing Trump. I get the highest ratings on television by far, by far. Mm -hmm. I'm very proud of it. I did The Apprentice. <laughs> Everyone thought it would be off the air in yes. two sessions, and it turned out to be successful. Big fan of the show. When I that. left after, it was a great show. I did 14 seasons. Yes, when I fan. left... 14. When I left, 14. We did wow. them over 11 oh, years. No, no. It was so successful was that they did two a season. Going with the apprentice. He had it going with The Apprentice big time. Oh, no, it was, it was big time stuff. And then when I left, because I left to run for president, that's the only reason I left, they picked Arnold Schwarzenegger and he bombed. And they put Martha Stewart on and she bombed. And the only reason Wait, I tell you that they bombed. Wait, Arnold and Mar Martha Stewart. Arnold, did well, you know Schwarzenegger. that? Oh, Arnold Schwarzenegger took my place on The Apprentice, and he bombed very badly. And Hillary Clinton recommended Martha Stewart. And Martha Stewart took... Listen to this one. I'm Crooked listening. Hillary. I'm listening. I'm just fascinated by And Martha moment. Stewart was on The... Did you know that Martha Stewart did The Apprentice? No. You know no, why no, you don't know? know? Because it lasted for about two weeks. That's why. <laughs> and I did it for 14 seasons. But, but here, is, here is the story. Let's see what happens when you guys get hit violently by the crooked media, mm -hmm. by the radical left crazy press that's destroying our country. Mm -hmm. You know, the press should be the policemen of a country, like for corruption and all the... They don't report corruption. Mm -hmm. They don't talk about the laptop. It's off-bounds. You can't talk about it. I don't want they to don't we're not scared of getting this. hit, though. I mean, I think I'm that's why we're going you may missing, be scared. I don't want to go missing. I don't no, no. Missing. You, you, Bob, he's going to be missing. Let me tell you where you'll be scared. When they say, we're going to take you off the air if you put this up, okay? Let's see whether or not everybody in this room, all you camera geniuses and young geniuses, a lot of people, <laughs> let's see how brave, when, when they say, because mm -hmm. you guys are doing very well. He's right. See, they've put it up, and we're streaming it, because then I can have it archived too. But then they're going to come for them. They've come for me. Like a lot of people are like, oh, I can still find Tori and stuff. While we're here and I'm streaming, YouTube's looking at old videos from November 5th, 2018. That's unlisted that I have on a YouTube channel. And then my November 5th, remember, remember, and they're hitting me with strikes. See, they come for you after the fact. So three years later, they're deciding. But for me, just so you guys know, it's affected my banking. I've been blacklisted to get a job. I have um, been uh, harassed by a regular bank. I have been deplatformed by everything, right? So a lot of people are sitting there saying, you know, uh, it's no big deal, but these people have millions of listeners and their main income is YouTube and sponsors, the minute they get pulled or they start emailing their sponsors, they suddenly don't have money. They stop doing what they're doing. And this is what they do. They, um, they do that. Uh, you know, I was actually talking to my attorney um, earlier today because remember when I put Shadowgate up? Well, YouTube owed me earnings from the months before plus uh, when I had Shadowgate up of over $8,000. When they banned me, they didn't pay me that money, even though it was done before they banned me. They've actually stolen that money. I've had that conversation with you. And even here on Rumble, I make $2 streaming. I don't make anything practically.
And I'm actually paying to stream on Rumble. I'm paying them $100 so that I can stream. Right? This is where they put you, and that's what he's referring to. You know, I'm not allowed to use Cash App, can't use PayPal, can't use Stripe, I can't use Twitch, uh, you, know, um, uh, you know, Amazon Pay, they haven't banned me from that. Uh, that'll be their next step, right? They're trying to put you outside in the shadows. So, you know, for me to be able to do my shows on platforms that you guys can actually reach, I have to pay in order to make that happen. Like I literally pay a hundred dollars a month to rumble to allow me to live stream. And it doesn't even have really amazing features or, um, the ability for me to embed the way I want. Uh, people have to be on the web page in order to chat with each other. So what he's telling them is fact. This is what they do. Like for me, I can't get paid by people if I'm making money because I get banned. I'm banned from Nancy Pelosi's company that processes payments. This is fact. So when he says that, you know, you know, when you put it up, we'll see. This is why people sell out. When they have a big audience, they won't start doing it and they'll step back a little bit. You need to to listen to what he's saying because it's true. It's happened to me and I'm expressing that to you. This has happened to me and it keeps happening to me. Today, some of my errands were just that, which I don't want to get into for legal reasons, right? We're just about that, going to a bank. So, uh, you know, since I want to sue, I got to keep my mouth shut. So I want you guys to understand that this isn't some, this is communism. It's not, we're going to have communism. We already have communism. We just have this illusion that we're free. And right now you're fighting because they're flipping the script to tell you, yep, that's the way it's going to be. You're going to own nothing and you're going to be happy about it. End of story. And you can't do shit about it. And if you move and you lift your head and speak up, we will chop it off and you won't have two pennies to rub together. But you know what? In order to ensure that doesn't happen, scrappy people have to have loud mouths and big mouths. That's fact. Mm -hmm. And Dana thinks the world of you. We all think the world mm -hmm. of you. And I'm not even necessarily going to blame you, I will a little bit. If this goes up or not? You you put it up. Let's see what happens when they take it down. We're calculated, Don. No, I think I think we have a I think team. I think it's a test. I don't think YouTube would take it down. There's no take way take down the, this the podcast. Interview. This interview. We can't control. I guess when you get there. threatened, we're, we're calculated. We know what's going on. When here. you get threatened with your careers, and maybe even worse, but when you get threatened I with know, your careers, remember this: we have more people out there than they do. We do. We have more people out there than they do, and. The people are really angry at what, what's happening in our country. Mm -hmm. Let's see what happens. I'm going to be watching you guys. You're young. You're smart. Mm -hmm. You're attractive. You're handsome. Wow. All of Thank these you. things. <laughs> Let's see what happens. I wish girls told us When that. they say, we're not going to let you put that interview up. He talked about the election fraud. No, this fraud. interview's going up, Don. They don't want to talk about election fraud. They don't want to say anything good about, anything good about uh, the kind of things that, yeah. that in many cases I think that you may agree with. But if you criticize Biden, which we're doing, because, yeah. again, mm -hmm. this war, this Ukrainian disaster should never, ever 
have happened and, I, that's and it wouldn't thing. have happened but yeah we're definitely not scared of that because we're used to it i think that's why we're here like you said dana respects us people respect us because we never really gave a shit about this is now i'm sorry this is think, now big time i think even but, when we yeah. met you even when we met you before when dana brought us on air force one with you even just us posting that we got a lot of flack but I mean, we don't really care. And, and you get a lot of love, too. By the way, oh, just so oh you my know, God. you got more love, love than you did flack. I'll love. say this. little flack, though. little flack. We got a little flack for Don. We got a little flack for Don. I got, think we'd get more flack more? for doing something with Biden. We would, uh, we, well, you no, know, in our fan base, if we did something with Biden, our fan base we would lose so many The difference people, is they wouldn't try and destroy you. You let's see how you react. I mean, I'm just saying. I'm done. This I mean, is I, this big is, time. This is, I made it. I just this is big time. It. I want to see big time. And yeah. don't apologize, though. Don't apologize when they come at you. Please don't apologize. To be fair, I think we'd. It's not like we're. I mean, we support you and stuff. But with our platform, we would have someone from the other side too. First of oh, all, but but they the would. Beginning. But they won't do it. They wouldn't. The they wouldn't do it. Okay. I don't think Nancy Pelosi would ever sit. She guys. would never sit. Well, here's down. what we do. Biden we have we have a down. very 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 successful podcast because we, we bring in everybody. We're not biased Good. in any way, shape, or form. Good. We like to sit down with people that are involved in really big things that are happening in the world today. But the other side wouldn't sit down. The other side has not showed us respect like you guys have, which is amazing. Yeah, they, they, That's the difference. They may sit down, but what they will do is they will censor you. Exactly. They will do things to you nope. that you would not have believed because we don't have a free press. No. Nope. In theory, you should be able to talk about anything and you argue back and forth and the public will My career, My career is kind of already going this way. Well, anyway, no, so it, like, it, it, your career might go way up, but you, you may be without a platform or you may be without whatever it is. They will be vicious. You watch. And I just want to see how you, you're young, smart guys. I want to see how you handle it. Well, we won't let you down. But well, you will be hit. Donald. I I, maybe you won't. Well, the good news is, can I, if I, if worst case scenario, I used to caddy at a golf club. Can I caddy for you? Absolutely. I'd love to have, you can be my caddy anytime. You sure? All right, cool. Anytime. Uh, yeah, but Donald, when you talk about like power and stuff like that, what's more like powerful to you, being the president or being a multi-billionaire, like owning real estate and like, what's your opinion so, on that? In the history of our country- Nothing like me has ever happened. I don't say that positive, negative. I, you know, you've never had a business. No, I agree with you, yeah. It was, I think, 93% politicians became president and 7% generals. So you had soldiers and you had politicians. There's never been an outsider. Uh, likewise, nobody's ever been treated as badly as I have by the fake news media, by, you know, everything. Mm -hmm. And we do our own fighting back and all. But, I mean, if you look at their approval rating, their approval rating used to be like through the roof because nobody knew how corrupt they were. And now it's, I think it's lower than Congress. The media is, which is pretty hard. I think it's lower than Congress. But um, I will say this in just an ending. I will say this. I'm going to be watching you guys. Mm -hmm. I'm going to see how you handle it. Mm -hmm. And Don's I hope I don't have to say I told you so. But <laughs> what I did say to people like Merkel is don't do it. And it turned out to be true. They did have one story about that today. Very interesting. I told her you're making a terrible mistake. I used to fight with her over it, the pipeline, because I said, they own your country once you do it. But we're now forcing Germany and Japan to become major powers militarily. And there are a lot of people, including me, that say that might not be a very good idea. Be careful what you wish for. And with that, it's been a great honor. One more thing. I heard you're becoming quite the DJ here at Mar-a-Lago. I, I, I heard you're I, spinning. I, I, you DJ? Would you believe it? I love music. 
I have an aptitude for what music. T- what type of music? That? During, you know, over our lives, we take tests and aptitude tests and all this. I've always had a high aptitude for music, but I love great music. So do you actually spin or no, do you, I don't spin, what do you but use? I pick, I pick the ones I like. <laughs> I don't want to spin. I want to pick the ones I what's like. Your, what's your like go-to banger on well, the Well, I have a lot of them. I have a lot of them. You know a song that does get people moving though? You know, I'll play beautiful, uh, I love Broadway stuff and, you know, Phantom of the Opera and Les Mis, et cetera. Uh, you know what gets them rocking? Y- YMCA. <laughs> YMCA is a track. It's an underrated know, track. Do you know, is it an underrated? I think so. Well, it gets a lot of views, I can say, but YMCA, uh, the Gay National Anthem. Did you ever hear that? They call it the Gay National Anthem. But YMCA gets people up and it gets them moving. Mm-hmm. But we have a lot of good selections and people love it when I do it. What's the best song to like transition to? Like YMCA to what? Uh, maybe. Like uh, maybe Mo Bamba? Maybe Hold On, I'm Coming. Okay. <laughs> so 2 a.m., you go to YMCA to Hold On, We're Coming, and that just gets the crowd Well, going. you know, we just have a good time. Actually, we have great people. There's been a tremendous place, Mar-a-Lago. It's a private club. It's been an amazing place. What's, uh, uh, what's your handicap right now in golf? Because I'm a big-time golfer. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I've been a very successful golfer over the years. You oh, yeah. know, I don't play as much as you really should play if you want to become top, top. But I've been a very successful. I've won many, many club championships, which is hard to do. That's yeah. our major. I've seen you, you at a driver, and uh, you said Biden couldn't hit it like that. <laughs> well, that I can tell you. <laughs> that I guarantee you. Biden probably hits his driver like 120. Well, they asked oh, Gary my. Player the other night. They yeah. said, who's the best player? How many presidents have you played with? He said, I played with seven. Who's the best player? Trump by far. He said, he's at least 20 or 25 strokes better than anybody else. Really? And really? I said, Gary, isn't it more than that? <laughs> but that's a big that's a big statement. But Gary Player is uh, a great legendary golfer, as you know. But they you, asked him that question, and he said, yeah. Trump by far. Are you like a shit talker on the golf course? You try and get me no, the No, no, no. You got to get the job done. Yeah, you just got to get the job. So you just execute. You can talk. Yeah. And then you can miss the putt, and all the talk is no good. In fact, it yeah. gets you. So you still got to get the job done, right? Yeah, 100%. Hundred percent. And, wow. and by the way, I do want to say you you look you look. But when you see Don, he gets a lot of shit for his hair and his ways. Like, like you look good. I feel Donnie good. looks great. You look great. I you feel look good. good so far. So what's good. your like mental regimen? Like like when you're in president, like you said, you slept like six hours a I night. Like how do you how do you do? You that? You know what? I enjoy doing it. I love doing it because I was helping the country. I mean, look at what we did. That's the like things amazing. We did, biggest tax cuts in history. Rebuilt the military. Biggest regulation cuts in history. You know that was maybe more important, and people don't talk about it than even the tax cuts. We had until COVID came. The China virus came in. We had the greatest economy in history. We were doubling up. We were going to double up on China, and everyone said China was going to take over. We were taking over. We were doubling up. And then it came in, and we did a phenomenal job. And then when when I left, this economy was very strong again. Plus, we did Operation Warp Speed, which even even the radical left, Biden tried to take credit for it. Remember, he said, uh, well, we did the vaccine. No, no. Even his own people said, you got the vaccine during Trump. But if you take a look, Operation Warp Speed was a trem- you know, tremendous Success. I really believe that we would have had, you know, in 1917, 100 million people died. They say maybe it was 77, maybe, but up to 100 million people died. I think we would have had the same thing had we not had a very, very successful 
uh, Operation Warp Speed. And that includes uh, therapeutics, Regeneron, all of this stuff that we did. We, had, we have things that have been unbelievably successful. Not only, by the way, with, with COVID, as some people call it, not only with the China virus, very, very successful in so many other ways with other diseases. And, you know, we've had a, we had an amazing administration. Best job numbers in the history of our country by far. 160 million people working. It's not even close to that now. Uh, we had a great, great, uh, four years, really. I mean, we had the three, we had the period, and then we had the COVID that, you know, was devastating for the world. Mm-hmm. We were the best to recover. We made ventilators. We literally made ventilators in a short period of time, very complicated. We were making them for the whole world. We were sending them to countries that had no chance to ever get them. Mm-hmm. There were none. I mean, there were practically none. And we did a great job. And uh, I hate to see what's happening to our country right now. So, so if, if it's not you, upcoming, who who should it be? Who do you well, like? Well, we're going to see. You like DeSantis? I, I get along with him great. I was the one that got him started. He came and asked for a uh, a recommendation, an endorsement. He said, if you give me an endorsement, I'll win. And I gave him an endorsement. He was at 3%. And after I endorsed him, he uh, took a lead that was not a beatable lead. Did so, you, you know, he got the nomination. You still along with him? Did you see DeSantis uh, telling the kids to take off the masks? I don't know if you've seen that video. I haven't seen, seen it. I haven't seen it. But it is time to take off the masks. Yeah, I agree with so you. So I would, I would agree if that were the case. Mm-hmm. So thank you all very much. Yeah, very I appreciate cool. it, Mr. President. Thank, thank you. Thank you, you so much. Awesome. We have to free up the press in this country. If we don't free up the press, this country's finished. We appreciate it. Right, let's do that. some photos. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. All right. Secret Service is going to probably kick us out right now. But, guys, Full Send Podcast is officially number one now. I think it's safe to say. Um, um, that was actually not recorded now. It was a while back. I think I actually saw the part. There was a part that I had seen a while back. So this was pre-recorded and screened and put up at the right time. Now, let's uh, move along. We're going to be shifting gears. So to introduce our new topic of discussion, it would be CDC and Fauci, because I'm going to tell you stuff that you're going to hear first, and then everyone else is going to be thumping it later. So, um uh, let's introduce Fauci and um, let's go. Is that legislation you're talking about? It's, it's, she's just got a letter from the Agency for Persons with Disabilities. Can you, show, can you show me the letter I so we can look at it? The letter, but yeah. what would you tell this mother? Well, I want to see it. I mean, you know, what happens is, you know, we if there's a bureaucratic issue, you know, we, we want to come in and, and, and try to help people out. And so if you get that to us, we will absolutely work. I know the legislature is working on different things. You know, we've had issues. I mean, there's been a huge increase in Medicaid, of course. Uh, but the reimbursements are low, so those are going to go up because it's harder to get people, and folks need care. So you're going to see, I think, some, some, some issues with the legislature in terms of that. But that particular case, if you get us that, uh, I will talk to the agency, and we'll see what we can do. Bill is on the floor of the Senate today. I spoke with Senate President Walton Simpson over the summer. He's a big supporter 
of this $8 million for a long-acting contraception program. A lot of health experts and doctors feel like that's the best way to cut down on abortions is by reducing unwanted pregnancies. I'm wondering if you agree with that approach and if you plan to veto that program as you did last year. Um, I don't recall the, uh, that, to be honest with you, so I'd have to look uh, and see and get back to you. Um. Is there any parts of it you didn't agree with that you heard? You know, I mean, I think uh, um, I, I have to think about um, some of the stuff. Well, I mean, I agree. You know, if you think about what they've done, Fauci is in the witness protection program now. They don't want him out. They, no, they, they've never supported any. If you, if you listen to them, they never supported all these policies that were so destructive. Now it's like, you know, we're... Paranoia is in bloom, the PR transmissions will resume. They'll try to push drugs to keep us all dumbed down and hope that we will never see the truth around. Another promise, another seed, another package lie to keep us trapped in greed. You see the green belts wrapped around our minds, endless red tape to keep the truth confined. All right. Welcome back. So I'm going to give it a little bit of time for you guys to share this for those that are health conscious before we delve right into it um, and have these conversations. But I wanted to draw your attention to something. You know, a lot of people listen to all these pundits and all these specialists and all these smart people talking. I actually had kind of a conversation like that with my mom today. Um, but <laughs> the thing is, who told you about Victoria Newland first? Who showed you the leaked audio first? It was the time that Rumble made it glitch. That it was removed. I'm just pointing some facts out. Because your gut should tell you who actually has knowledge and who really doesn't. And if it hasn't, if you can't find those few voices out there that are giving you information before other people run with it, like they know what they're talking about, well, they probably know what they're talking about, but they didn't know about it first. They got it from somewhere else, right? Kind of like hydroxychloroquine talked about it way before anyone even thought of it. Talked about how it, you know, this vid was similar to HIV. I did. The fact that it was concerning, I did. The, the, and, and, and that's in that, right? There's other people that are out there that are speaking truth and are bringing attention to things. And, you know, <laughs> they're being smothered too. But it's funny how other people are being praised for breaking out stories right, when they didn't break them. So now I'm going to give you the big doozy. And this is because this is, again, I think it's the time. It's like someone is itching at me. Okay, it's time to talk. It's time to talk. It's time to talk. It's time to talk. So to, to, to segue into it, there are actual Florida uh, leaders that are rec recommending 
against the COVID vaccine. And then I'm going to tell you the concerns that I have and the symptoms that you should be looking out for. Because this is quite dangerous. And then I'm going to show you why it's so dangerous based on the information that you know. Because obviously maybe this will glitch too, right? So it doesn't get saved. So people don't say that I said it first. That's, that's the way it goes. Can't, can't give validation to Tori. Cause then, you know, if people think that people that flip sides from evil to good, I never flipped, dude. I was always on the right side. You can't flip someone. You can't make someone evil be good. They had to be good to start with. They had to be good to start with. Intentions. The vaccine guidance from the states is expected to be coming to the Florida Department of Health soon after our state's top leader announced today that they would recommend against kids getting the COVID-19 vaccine. ABC Action News reporter Rochelle Aline has more. The Florida Department of Health is going to uh, be the first state to officially recommend against the COVID-19 vaccines for healthy children. Florida's top doctor made this announcement Monday during a roundtable discussion with the governor and dozens of others. Dr. Ladapo also pointed to a recent study that found that the Pfizer vaccine was less effective at protecting kids from the Omicron variant. And at a press conference shortly after, the governor doubled down on that sentiment. There needs to be nuance because you have to understand COVID is dramatically more risky for someone that's 85 than it is for someone that's five. It's a call that contradicts guidance from the CDC. And when asked about it, Governor DeSantis criticized the health organization. CDC, with all due respect, you know, they have not followed the science throughout all this. They've done a lot of political science. But in the end, the governor said the decision to vaccinate kids would be left up to parents. The recommendation against vaccinating kids is leading to reaction nationally and locally. When asked about it, White House spokeswoman Jen Psaki said in part, quote, we know the science, we know the data and what works and what the most effective steps are in a range of ages from hospitalization and even death. Here in Tampa Bay, we spoke with USF professor of medicine, Dr. Michael Tang. He tells us that for most, the benefits of getting vaccinated currently outweigh the risks. Regardless, we do know that even with the immunivasiveness of Omicron, this vaccine was really still very effective at keeping people out of the hospital. And he added that Monday's recommendation would only serve to confuse people. Whether by intent or not, this is actually making it much more difficult for doctors to do their jobs and to, to try to provide the best health recommendations for their patients. In Tampa, Rochelle Aline, ABC Action News. And it's important to note that the study that the Surgeon General was referring to also included statements from the researchers who claim that the vaccine's effectiveness was likely impacted by the dosage kids are getting. Right now, a child aged 5 to 11 is receiving a third of the dosage an adult would get with the Pfizer shot. And despite the results, the researchers who led that study still recommend the COVID-19 vaccine for, for children. children. Yeah, they can give it to their kids. Now, we're going to get into understanding a few things. Um, it's uh, quite concerning. And so what I'm going to do is... Um, damn. Oh, this is going to really hurt me putting this out there for you. 
because, you know, I feel so dumb. I should have done this earlier maybe, but um, I wait. It's always about timing and to see if I remembered correctly um, because I remembered it <laughs> a while back, but I thought nothing. And then someone mentioned uh, that someone passed away from it all of a sudden, and that's weird. And then again, it was mentioned a couple weeks later. And then my lawyer told me he's going to a funeral because someone died from it. And I was like, damn it. So I did remember it correctly. Cause you know, it's really hard sometimes to remember history and reiterate it when you're living through it. It's very hard. <sighs> so I'll start with, um, UW School of Medicine. It's a lecture on a disease. I know a lot of people are talking about TB and stuff, but it's not the cause that's concerning us the most. So this is a lecture. It's 10 minutes. Sit back. And it's not that complicated. And if anything looks too intricate, you know, I did go to med school, didn't get my MD, didn't finish it, but I can, I can, I can explain it in normal language if it's too intricate. Here we go. From the University of California, San Francisco, I'm an infectious diseases doctor, and now I'll be speaking with you about treatment and prevention of bacterial meningitis. The learning objectives for this session are for you to list, be able to list the key factors in choosing antibiotics to treat bacterial meningitis, for you be, to be able to prescribe an appropriate empiric antibiotic regimen for bacterial meningitis based on the patient's age, know the key prevention strategies for preventing different types of bacterial meningitis. So taking a step back and thinking about treatment, what makes a good antibiotic for treating meningitis? And I think it's really important that everybody's aware of the three key pieces. One, given that this is an infection that happens in the cerebral spinal fluid, you must use an antibiotic that achieves high concentrations in the cerebral spinal fluid. Two, you would like to have an antibiotic that is bactericidal in that it is able to kill the antibiotic, excuse me, that it's able to kill the bacteria in the absence of the immune system, uh, particularly in the cerebral spinal fluid, in the CNS, is a privileged space where it is hard to get a good immune response, so it's really key that you have a very effective antibiotic. And three, when you're choosing your antibiotic, not only do you want to be able to get into the cerebral spinal fluid and be bactericidal, but you want it to be active against the common bacteria that cause meningitis. So you want to pick an empiric regimen that has the right spectrum. So... This table, I think, does a nice job of showing what the common empiric antibiotics are for each bacterial meningitis pathogen. It's really um, for reference, but as you can see here, the third generation cephalosporins, most commonly cefotaxime or ceftriaxone, are the ones that are used. And this would work well for group B strep, E. coli, strep pneumo, um, Neisseria meningitidis and H. influenza. However, there's two caveats here. One, Listeria monocytogenes, third generation cephalosporins are not active. So ampicillin is the drug of choice. And then for Streptococcus pneumoniae, see it says third generation cephalosporin plus vancomycin. And 
we didn't talk about methicillin-resistant Staph aureus as being a common pathogen in bacterial meningitis. So why is vancomycin recommended in this situation? Well, the reason that the vancomycin should be used here is because there's increasing penicillin resistance in Streptococcus pneumoniae, and some of that penicillin resistance um, in Strep pneumo is also cephalosporin resistant. So we recommend giving vancomycin up front until we have the results of those tests back to make sure we're treating appropriately. So based on what we have talked about in previous sessions and what we just reviewed as an appropriate regimen for these different bacteria, this table summarizes for neonates what the common pathogens are and what an, import, an empiric regimen should look like. So for here, for the neonates example, we worry about group B strep or strep A galactiae, E. coli, and Listeriomonocytogenes. So therefore, the third encephalosporin would be active against um, e. coli also would be active against group A strep. And then ampicillin is for the Listeria monocytogenes, although that would also be active against group B strep. For children, we're worried about strep pneumo, H. flu, and Neisseria meningitidis. There, a third generation cephalosporin would be good for Neisseria and H. flu. And then the combination of a cephalosporin plus vancomycin is going to be used as an empiric regimen for strep pneumo. Young adults primarily worried about Neisseria meningitis and strep pneumo, and for the same reasons, a third-generation cephalosporin plus vancomycin is what we'd recommend. And lastly, you can see for adults over the age of 50, when Listeria monocytogenes becomes common enough that we would change our empiric regimen to cover it, and you can see that we're recommending a third-generation cephalosporin plus vancomycin plus ampicillin to cover the Listeria. So how do you determine directed antibiotic therapy? So directed therapy is you after you know your pathogen, you want to narrow um, and pick the most narrow spectrum antibiotic that's going to be effective. So for bacterial meningitis, let's do an example here. You have a 63-year-old man who came in with bacterial meningitis. You started an empiric regimen of ceftriaxone, vancomycin, and ampicillin to cover the common pathogens associated with bacterial meningitis. You ended up doing a lumbar puncture, and you got a CSF culture reveal, streptococcus pneumoniae. So therefore, at that point, you could stop the ampicillin when you knew it was, you knew it was streptococcus pneumoniae because you're not worried about Listeria anymore. Then you got susceptibility testing back on that strep pneumo, and you knew that strep pneumo was penicillin susceptible. So therefore, you could stop the ceftriaxone and vancomycin and narrow to a very narrow-spectrum um, antibiotic like penicillin. Narrowing to a narrow-spectrum antibiotic will overall reduce drug resistance uh, in the patient and in um, a larger community setting. And in here, we have less gram-negative coverage and would lower our risk of Clostridium difficile colitis, things like ceftriaxone, third-generation cephalosporin, put you at risk for things like C. diff. So we've talked about antibiotics as a treatment, but what about corticosteroids? So there's actually some nice data to suggest that corticosteroids can be effective for the treatment of meningitis. So although we like our immune system to help us cure infections, the inflammatory response can be harmful, and that's what often happens in meningitis, particularly in patients who have streptococcus pneumoniae, um, Early on when they're infected, there's not a huge inflammatory response. The polysaccharide capsule is a low ant is low, has low antigenicity, um, but the internal components have high antigenicity. 
So early on, you may have low, um, a lower inflammatory response, but if you give antibiotics, which breaks open the cell wall and lets the internal contents, which are very highly antigenic, come out, you can significantly increase your inflammatory response and, re- and cause a lot of morbidity. So if you give steroids before antibiotics, you can tone down the immune system just enough that it actually improves both morbidity and mortality in patients with streptococcus pneumoniae meningitis. How do you prevent bacterial meningitis altogether? Well, you can enhance immunity, do things like give vaccines. You can prevent transmission, so you could per- put on in a barrier um, like, a res- uh, like a mask to prevent droplets. Or you can eradicate a reservoir. For example, in, pa- in women who have group B strep colonization, you could give them antibiotics prior to delivery to eliminate that um, reservoir so it won't infect the neonate. And then you can treat an infection before it's disease. So when we term sometimes infections, we can say maybe it's colonization. So maybe somebody who was exposed to a patient with Neisseria meningitidis and potentially now is colonized, if you treat them and eradicate that colonization before they go on to develop meningitis, you can also prevent infection. So specifically, how do we prevent neonatal meningitis? We talked about preventing transmission by screening for group B strep and giving antibiotics to the mother. Mothers who have maternal fever fevers are at high risk for having group B strep infection, and they will also get antibiotics. And then the infants are monitored very closely. And if they started showing signs of infection, they would get empiric antibiotics. And educate women about high-risk foods um, for Listeria, like cold-cut meats, uh, and then be aware of outbreaks for other types of foods that might be contaminated with listeria. How about preventing H flu type B infection? Again, enhancing immunity here, there's an excellent conjugate vaccine um, that has essentially eradicated H flu type B as a cause of meningitis in many parts of the world. And again, this is a table showing that between 1986 In 1995, after the meningitis vaccine was introduced, you could see there was a near eradication of um, meningitis in this age group. Dramatic reduction was seen. And then also, during exposure, it's recommended to use droplet precaution masks to not transmit. And following exposure, chemoprophylaxis for close contacts, like we'll talk about with Neisseria meningitidis. So Neisseria meningitidis, conjugate vaccine also exists. It's recommended in children at, starting at 11 years, but also those who have asplenia, complement deficiencies, like we talked about terminal complement deficiency being a risk factor for, meningit- for Neisseria meningitidis infection, or traveling to a high-risk area. If you're involved in an exposure, you'd want to um, prevent yourself from getting infected from the infected patient by wearing a droplet um, precautions mask. And if you've been exposed, you can take chemoprophylaxis or antibiotics in case you do have the carrier state to prevent subsequent infections. Antibiotics we use in this situation in adults are often ciprofloxacin, which is a fluoroquinolone. Um, in children, we often can use rifampin or um, ceftriaxone. 
How about strep pneumo? Strep pneumo, again, we want to enhance immunity, and there's some excellent vaccines out there. Um, there's a conjugate vaccine with 13 serotypes that are given to infants, immunocompromised, and actually the conjugate vaccine um, is now being given to uh, elderly patients as well, and some recommendations have recently been changed. So this is to summarize how you prevent bacterial meningitis. Again, for strep pneumo, we screen pregnant women and give peripartum antibiotics. For E. coli, which is also happens in the um, neonates, again, maternal antibiotics of fever, strep pneumo um, vaccination. So I'm going to stop it on that page. I want to help you connect some dots here. As you know, a lot of people that have passed away from the alleged COVID, have had a very lethal um, contraction of strep pneumoniae. Now, streptococcus pneumoniae in itself is a gram-positive and it's spherical bacteria, right? It's alpha-hemolytic or beta-hemolytic um, which is the types of face. So I'm going to show you a video so you can understand what it is. And it clearly causes, I mean, it's the cause of a pneumonia. But it is the most deadly version of meningitis you can get. Now, meningitis um, can be contracted uh, either through uh, community um, dispersion, right, which is... Um, spreading it from person to person, you kiss them, you share food. It's bacteria. It's a living organism, right? Or through the hospital. Um, um, the majority of the people that get strep pneumonia are uh, hospitalized people. <sighs> I'm trying to collect my thoughts so I can help you connect the dots. Because for me, it's easy to understand. I, I need to, you know, nobody went to, not everybody that's listening has gone to school for this. I want to show you just how long they've been planning this too. Uh, a little over a decade ago, they started vaccinating the elderly with um, a vaccine against um, strep pneumoniae. And they never got meningitis jabs later. It would be sooner, right? You get them when you're young, the, the, MMR, the MMR jab, right? So they tried the MMR jab, uh, which works on one type of face of the bacteria. And then they cultivated and tested within the elderly population uh, to see if they can reduce the risk of uh, nosocomic. That's a nosocomial, which is uh, the word nosocomial means hospital. So nosocomial um, transmission of um, strep pneumoniae. Uh, they uh, usually nine times out of 10, I'm just saying, uh, when people break their hip um, out over the age of 65, I said it's almost like a death sentence. And it's not so much the surgery, it's the hospitalization because people get pneumonias, deadly ones. So, um, yeah, MEPS, MMR, I meant the, the, you get the MMR and the um, meningitis, um, meningococcal um, vaccination at that time too. That's why I was saying MMR and that, you know, with your kids, they force them to get both. Anyway, um, here's the concerns that you should have 
one, we know that there's a, a very strong type of strep pneumoniae going around. Uh, so people are, are, are affected as such. Uh, those that have been vaccinated are susceptible to getting a pneumonia. And a lot of people have been contracting pneumonia. We also know that it is found that the vaccine and the way it operates, it reduces your ability to have clotting factors, right? Um, or increases them, right? It, it goes either way, depending on the dosage and what you get. Uh, shoot. So let me, let me explain to you before I get into the depths of it. Let me show you a video. A pretty simple osmosis video. I've I've used those before. Um, I use that for my kids to teach them too. Um, and I actually used a couple of similar videos when I was learning um, of what um, Streptococcus pneumoniae is. Let me let me share. You know that's actually quite short, but it's it's all right. It's a preview, isn't it? Damn it! I want the whole thing. Um, let me see. Got the wrong video up. Um, let's see. Um, you know, she's not bad. Let's see what she does. All right. Because she's she's doing what I used to do, um, these lectures. So for her own learning. Sometimes when you teach people, you learn too. Here we go. Hi, this video should be titled Streptococcus. Okay, so get a purple pen because you probably know, if you're watching this video already, that Streptococcus is gram positive, and you notice that I'm arranging it in chains. And that is how it grows, and it is what it means. So strepto means chains, and caucus means spheres, so it's chains of spheres. And we make it purple, because when you put right stain on these cells and do a gram stain, then they should appear purple when you're all done. So they are gram positive. And then chains of cocci. Uh, generally, streptococcus is sensitive to penicillin, and that's good news. Um, and penicillin type drugs like amoxicillin, etc. And streptococcus is catalase negative, which is kind of interesting because many of the medically significant bacteria we learn about uh, do have catalase. And catalase is an enzyme that's important in um, living around oxygen and not being damaged by it too much. And so Streptococcus has other ways of living around oxygen without having it be too damaging. Okay, so what we're gonna do is split Streptococcus uh, into two big groups. Um, and the way we're gonna do that is based on their ability to damage red blood cells. So we're going to start with the um, ones that don't harm um, red blood cells or perhaps only partially do. So that's what this is alpha hemolytic. Gamma hemolytic means they don't affect red blood cells at all. I tend to group them in as alpha hemolytic because 
strains do funny things sometimes too that you wouldn't expect. So we'll just say though they definitely aren't beta hemolytic. And the first species we'll put here is Streptococcus pneumoniae. And what you'll maybe hear this called when people are talking about vaccines is pneumococcus. So the word pneumo means lung. And um, so this is a bacteria that can frequently cause pneumonia, Streptococcus pneumoniae. And it lives in most of us in our nasopharynx or in the nasal passages. And because it is such a big causer of pneumonia, when it gets out of whack, so that said, it's normally inside most of our nasal passages, but in some of us then it can start growing um, too heavily compared to other bacteria and cause disease, sinus infections, um, ear infections. So otitis media, that's middle ear, is what it stands for. That doesn't really look like an ear. It's supposed to be an ear. Uh, sinus, sinusitis. That's inflammation of the sinuses. And there's someone's nose. And then, of course, pneumonia itself. That would be if it gets far enough down in the respiratory tree. And those are maybe the worst lungs you've ever seen drawn. <laughs> I don't know what that looks like. Lungs. I better write it on there. You're not going to remember when you study this later. Okay, so um, this has been a target for vaccines um, with the idea that it can help save the lives of young children and elderly people that both get pneumonia. That said, uh, the vaccines leave something to be desired. They have a number of problems. Uh, PCV or PPVE these are vaccines, and uh, <clears throat> excuse me, P, uh, PV, I'll talk about that one first. Um, this is a pneumococcal polysaccharide vaccine, which basically means they took the bacterial cells, chunked them up, and um, now that they're, they're dead, though, they can inject them um, into a person, and the person will theoretically make um, antibodies and have an immune response to those chunks of the streptococcus cell. Um, and the problem is, is that our bodies don't make antibodies uh, long-term or as effectively uh, to parts of a cell wall as uh, we do to proteins. And so, so I want to say something on that. I, I just want to um, um, reiterate something that I've said before. The largest organ in your body is your skin. 99% of your skin is made up of bacteria. It's literally covered from top to bottom in bacteria. Your gut operates because of bacteria. Bacteria are symbiotic in some way with us. We use them, they use us. I really wish I had a whiteboard set up. Maybe I can look into doing that stuff. But anyway, um, so I, I want you guys to understand what she was trying to explain that naturally 
Streptococcus pneumoniae exists in our nasal passages, in our mouth. This is why whenever you go to the dentist, you get a root canal or whatever, you're always on antibiotics afterwards, right? And, and that's more preventative because you're going to get it because it gets agitated and you can cause a hemolytic to, to, to cause some damage, okay? And I saw someone say there's only group A and group B strep and there's different ones, but I, I believe that she's just talking in a general sense for the ones that are. So, um, again, reiterating, they have been primed. One of, one of their own in the CDC who, while I was, um, uh, doing a federal work study at the CDC met, um, had discovered, uh, issuing, directives and suggestions by the CDC for elderly patients and discovered uh, that the testing is done under the guise of protection for you. And as the testing ensues, you remember Jenny McCarthy talking about it, but then they shut her up real quick. She became crazy and they shot her off to the side and she got divorced with um, Jim Carrey and stuff, right? I don't have to get into that stuff. But the testing has been ongoing within the population under the guise of your health. And because it seemed to provide an answer for one thing, it was literally an answer they were looking for in order to build the next thing. I've said this many times before. When you look at the human body, it's code. It's molecular code. It's biological code. It speaks for itself. It has five basic components to it. Phosphorus, nitrogen, hydrogen, carbon, and oxygen. When you understand how that code interacts together with other subcode, right? Like for those of you that are into computer coding, it's the same thing. You learn what kind of scripts you need to run in order to create a new program that'll give you a foundation to make changes you need. For example, you have a house that has a 10 foot ceiling in, in, in one of the rooms and you decide that you want to split that 10 foot ceiling to a five foot ceiling and a, a little at, uh, like a seven foot ceiling and a nice little attic space. You're going to have to build a ceiling, which will be the floor for the other side, but you also have to build a ladder and you have to put the infrastructure for it. Right? So for those of you that are builders or can understand to that point, you're going to map out the stairs you're going to get rid of some good portion of whatever to put those stairs up there. And then you're going to build the support beams that would hold it and how and the joists, And then create the ceiling slash floor to complete. So when you want to create code to work the way you want to, you need to do some pre-programming first. You need to cut out things that you believe are unnecessary so you can put 
the staircase to access the new attic. And then you have to put the infrastructure or the structure and the beams. So these bacteria that naturally exist within our bodies can be aggravated or fed kind of like yeast. If you put sugar and water and warm water or, you know, it'll start to activate and it'll start eating and growing and creating populations. Though there are negative side effects when you do these things because it's a negative side effect when you have to cut out one portion of your house to create a staircase that you never had, right? So, meningitis is widespread now in the U.S., um, and it has been uh, for a couple weeks now. And a lot of people that have contracted it are not even able to say that they have meningitis um, or can be, they're misdiagnosed as well with a simple cold because of their vaccine status. Uh, the vaccine has caused them to have clotting factors and uh, certain clots. And therefore that would have been one indicator, uh, that any physician would see, uh, because that is normal. Uh, that's something that you see, uh, as of normal when people have an, an pneumonia or meningitis from streptococcus pneumoniae. It's um, concerning because studies have shown that um, intravascular coagulation exists in bacterial meningitis, and that indicates the severity of its outcome. So when someone comes by and sees a doctor and doesn't have the other symptoms because they're vaccinated differently, that is missed and people die. Not only that, streptococcus pneumoniae meningitis, let's just say bacterial meningitis. There are many causes and symptoms, and I want to show you that before we get into the relationship of it with um, immune deficient persons or immunocompromised persons. Um, I say this because one person told me that the person who passed away was 27. That was a few weeks ago, and it was all of a sudden. They didn't even have the regular symptoms of meningitis that you will hear. It was to the point when their neck was so stiff um, that they couldn't do anything. And many people might think it's stress and, and, and put it to the side. Um, but when they first went to the doctor, it was just a, it's a cold. And then, uh, you know, their blood culture showed an elevation. So they gave them uh, a broad spectrum gram negative targeting um, antibiotics because there's gram-negative bacteria and gram-positive, and uh, Streptococcus pneumoniae is gram-positive. And if they had a pneumonia, they would hear it, so they wouldn't think that it would be 
meningitis because then they would have other symptoms, but then they can't count the coagulation and clots or the lack of because they have the vaccine. So it gets complicated. Let's go. With meningitis, meninge refers to the meninges, which are three protective membranes that cover the brain and spinal cord. And itis refers to inflammation. So meningitis is an inflammation of the meninges. More specifically, it refers to inflammation of the two inner layers, which are called the leptomeninges. The outer layer of the meninges is the dura mater. The middle layer is the arachnoid mater, and the inner layer is the pia mater. These last two, the arachnoid and pia maters, are the leptomeninges. Between the leptomeninges, there's the subarachnoid space which houses cerebrospinal fluid, or CSF. CSF is a clear, watery liquid which is pumped around the spinal cord and brain, cushioning them for impact and bathing them in nutrients. In one microliter or cubic millimeter, there are normally just a few white blood cells, up to five. If we look at a bigger sample, like say a deciliter, then around 70% of those will be lymphocytes, 30% will be monocytes, and just a few will be polymorphonuclear cells, or PMNs, like neutrophils. That same volume will have some proteins in it as well, about 15 to 50 milligrams, as well as some glucose, about 45 to 100 milligrams, which is close to two-thirds of the glucose we'd find in the same volume of blood. The cerebrospinal fluid is held under just a little bit of pressure, below 200 millimeters of water, which is just under 15 millimeters of mercury, which is less than a fifth of the mean arterial pressure. Now, at any given time, there's about 150 milliliters of cerebrospinal fluid in the body. And this is constantly replenished, with around 500 milliliters of new cerebrospinal fluid produced every day. And the excess, or 500 minus 150 or 350, is absorbed into the blood. But for any nutrients to enter or leave the cerebrospinal fluid, and the brain itself for that matter, they have to go through the tightly regulated blood-brain barrier. The blood-brain barrier is a special name given to the blood vessels in the brain. That's because the endothelial cells in the blood vessels are so tightly bound to one another that they prevent leakage and only allow certain molecules to slip through them. Meningitis is the inflammation of the leptomeninges, which remember are the inner two membranes around the brain and spinal cord. It is not the inflammation of the brain itself. That's encephalitis. But sometimes they can happen together, and when that happens, it's called meningoencephalitis. So meningitis needs some kind of trigger for the inflammation. And this could be an autoimmune disease where the body attacks itself, like lupus, or the body having an adverse reaction to some medication, which can happen with intrathecal therapy, when medication is injected directly into the cerebrospinal fluid. But by far, infection is the most common trigger for meningitis across all age groups. Like with the Neisseria meningitidis bacteria or herpes simplex virus. Now, there are two routes that an infection can take to reach the cerebrospinal fluid and leptomeninges. The first way is direct spread, which is when a pathogen gets inside the skull or spinal column and then penetrates the meninges, eventually ending up in the cerebrospinal fluid. Sometimes the pathogen will have come through the overlying skin or up through the nose, but it's more likely that there's an anatomical defect to blame. 
For example, it could be a congenital defect, like spina bifida, or an acquired one like a skull fracture, or there might be cerebral spinal fluid leaking through the sinuses. The second way is hematogenous spread, which is when a pathogen enters the bloodstream and moves through the endothelial cells in the blood vessels that make up the blood-brain barrier, and get into the cerebral spinal fluid. To do this, the pathogens typically have to bind to surface receptors on the endothelial cells in order to get across. Otherwise, they have to find areas of damage or more vulnerable spots like the choroid plexus. Once the pathogen finds a way into the cerebrospinal fluid, it can start multiplying. Soon enough, the handful of white blood cells surveilling the cerebrospinal fluid identify the pathogen and release cytokines to recruit additional immune cells. Over time, a microliter of cerebrospinal fluid might go on to contain thousands of white blood cells, but any more than five usually defines meningitis. In most bacterial cases, there'll be above 100 white blood cells per microliter, and more than 90% polymorphonuclear cells. In most viral cases, there'll be 10 to 1,000 white blood cells, and over 50% lymphocytes and under 20% PMNs. In most fungal cases, there'll be 10 to 500 white blood cells, with over 50% being lymphocytes. In most cases of tuberculosis meningitis, there'll be 50 to 500 white blood cells, with over 80% being lymphocytes. The additional immune cells attract more fluid to the area and start causing local destruction as they try to control the infection. As a result, the cerebrospinal fluid pressure typically rises above 200 millimeters of water. The immune reaction also causes the glucose concentration in the cerebrospinal fluid to fall, to below two-thirds of the concentration in the blood. It also makes the protein levels increase to over 50 mg per deciliter. When it comes to the causes of meningitis, viruses and bacteria usually cause acute meningitis, whereas fungi usually causes chronic meningitis. Now, for bacteria, there are a lot of possibilities. In newborns, the most common causes are group B streptococci, E. coli, and listeria monocytogenes. In children and teens, the most common causes are Neisseria meningitidis and Streptococcus pneumoniae. In adults and the elderly, the most common causes are Streptococcus pneumoniae and Listeria monocytogenes. There are also tick-borne causes of meningitis, like Borrelia burgdorferi bacteria, which is the cause of Lyme disease. As for viruses, the main culprits are enteroviruses, especially Coxsackie virus, as well as herpes simplex virus. HIV is usually contracted through body fluids and can also cause viral meningitis. Less common causes include the mumps virus, varicella zoster virus, and lymphocytic choriomeningitis virus. There's also the fungi, like those from the cryptococcus and coccidioides genuses, which mainly affect immunocompromised individuals. And then, of course, there's tubercular meningitis, which is caused by the mycobacterium tuberculosis bacteria. And finally, parasitic causes of meningitis like P. falciparum, which is the main cause of malaria. Now, the classic triad of meningitis symptoms are headaches, fevers, and nuchal rigidity, or neck stiffness. It can also cause photophobia, which is discomfort with bright lights, or phonophobia, which is discomfort with loud noises. Meningoencephalitis can cause an altered mental state or seizures. The diagnosis of meningitis starts with a physical exam. One maneuver is when a person lies flat on their back facing upwards, and one of their legs is raised with the knee flexed to a 90-degree angle. Then the leg is supported and slowly straightened at the knee. 
If this causes back pain, then it's called Koenig's sign. Another maneuver is when a person again lies flat on their back facing upwards, and then has their neck supported and flexed. If this causes them to automatically flex their knees or hips, then it's called the Brzezinski sign. If meningitis is suspected, a lumbar puncture can be done. And this is when a needle goes through the lower lumbar vertebral levels of the spinal cord, between L3 and L4, for example. The needle penetrates into the subarachnoid space and a few milliliters of cerebrospinal fluid is taken. The opening pressure can be measured, and the cerebrospinal fluid can be analyzed for white blood cells, protein, and glucose. Polymerase chain reaction, or PCR, might also be used to find specific causes, like HIV, enteroviruses, HSV, or tuberculosis. If a particular infection seems like an obvious cause, then a test for that might be used, like the western blot for Borrelia burgdorferi bacteria, or a thin blood smear for malaria. The treatment of meningitis depends on the underlying cause. For bacterial meningitis, it's common to administer steroids and then antibiotics to prevent massive injury to the leptomeninges from the inflammation caused as the antibiotics destroy the bacteria. In general, drug treatments like antivirals, antibacterials, antifungals, or antiparasitics are aimed at the specific cause of meningitis. Prevention with a vaccine is appropriate for some causes like Neisseria meningitidis but also for mumps and for disseminated tuberculosis. Prophylactic antibiotics can also be administered to avoid outbreaks of bacterial meningitis, like in households where individuals haven't been vaccinated against Neisseria meningitidis. Alright, as a quick recap, meningitis is an inflammation of the leptomeninges, which is the inner two membranes that surround and protect both the brain and the spinal cord. It normally starts when a foreign substance, oftentimes bacteria, makes its way inside the leptomeninges, either by direct contact or hematogenous spread through the blood-brain barrier. The immune system responds to the antigen by flooding the subarachnoid space with white blood cells, which release cytokines and create inflammation. And this results in the classic triad of symptoms, which is headaches, fevers, and neck stiffness. Hey guys, what's up? Thanks for watching that video on meningitis. Hopefully you learned a thing or two. All right. So I hope that was informative. One, how to test and two, to understand. Now, um, Neisseria meningitida is actually what we vaccinate against. Um, I want you guys to understand that if you look at the medications that are actually treating COVID effectively, which are anti-parasitics, you would understand how this is being weaponized. I'll put it to you this way. People that have been vac vaccinated for meningitis, right? It's one, I'm trying to educate you so that when it comes up, you know, they tried to recycle the whole mumps thing and the measles thing, right? Remember when they started to say, oh, we need to do new measles stuff and everybody needs to get their measles? I wanted to bring to your attention that those that are immunocompromised that have HIV are more susceptible uh, to those that are um, uh, fungal originated and or um, streptococcal pneumoniae. So now 
I, I, I was hoping that I can show you those tests that you can do because there's a lot of people that, you know, may think that they're just sick um, and doctors don't even take it there because they're like, oh, they're vaccinated. See, even doctors are not that smart. Um, and yeah, I mean, you've seen that yourself anyway now, but the concern that, that, that I raise is if you have someone that you love that has gotten the vaccine and they complain of a stiff neck or they have fevers and it's just a cold and the doctor said it's nothing, um, you know, a few white blood cells, it's not that cause no one's going to go directly and say, let me spinal tap. You, you don't do that. Right. Um, it's, um, it's a little bit dangerous because when a 27 year old who served and got all his vaccines, um, dies from meningitis unexpectedly, right? They just had a cold. They thought they were a little bit sick, a little bit of a scratchy throat. Um, it was a, a bit of an issue, right? For me, um, looking back because I wouldn't have even looked back if, my attorney yesterday didn't say I have to go to a funeral because a 48 year old died unexpectedly from meningitis because it was told to me twice from people in different areas, how weird it was that no one expected they had meningitis and they had meningitis, which means that those that are vaccinated are not presenting the typical symptoms of meningitis. And the vaccine for meningitis does not target fungal meningitis or strepto, uh, or the streptococcal, um, um, meningitis. I, I want you, the streptococcal pneumoniae meningitis. <sighs> I will just present the information because I don't want you to take direction from me and I don't want to speak anything out there, um, for you to derive and, and, and do your homework. Now I'm, I'm going to share, um, the next part of this where the relationship between meningitis and HIV gives a little bit more clarity. You AETC Project Echo, I'm Kent Under, and I'd like to turn it over to Dr. Brian Wood to introduce our guest. Well, it's a pleasure to welcome Professor Mara, and I'd like to thank Dr. Mara for coming and doing this. Dr. Mara is a professor here in the Department of Neurology and Medicine and is uh, one of the world's uh, neuro-ID specialists, and thank you. So Brian asked me to talk about meningitis and HIV. So I thought I'd start first just very briefly talking about susceptibility to central nervous system opportunistic infections in HIV, and I know you know a lot of this already. But one of the things that's most helpful to me in narrowing the differential when I'm faced with an HIV-infected patient with a CNS opportunistic infection, or I think may have a CNS opportunistic infection, is to think about the CD4, because that helps me narrow the differential in terms of susceptibility. So people uh, who don't have a lot of immunosuppression can get neurosyphilis or uh, CNS-TB. becomes more common as the CD4 drops. For neurosyphilis, we know that a cutoff of 350 for CD4 becomes a time when patients are at increased risk. For things like HIV dementia, cryptococcal meningitis, and toxoplasmosis, Patients are generally significantly more immunocompromised. Generally, the CD4 is below 200. And for cryptococcal meningitis, which we're going to talk about in more detail, the risk really uh, goes up at 100. For things like primary CNS lymphoma and progressive multifocal leukoencephalopathy, 
risk really starts when patients are very immunocompromised, typically a CD4 below 100, although there are always exceptions to the rule. You certainly would be suspicious of a diagnosis of, of any of these things, toxo, crypto, PML, lymphoma, in a patient with a CD4 of, say, 500. And then CMV encephalitis I put on this table, although it's extraordinarily uncommon now, but typically occurs in patients with CD4s below 75 or even lower. So CD4 can give you a feel for what your patient's at risk of, and I find that helpful in narrowing things down. The other thing to think about in terms of susceptibility are exposures and prophylactic therapies. And some of the most obvious ones in terms of exposure are serum antitoxoplasma antibody Patients with HIV who get CNS toxo or toxoencephalitis generally have reactivation of previously acquired disease. 97% of the time, that's true. And so they have positive serum antitoxo antibodies. Those can be lost in really late HIV, but it's uncommon. So it's really a good screen for whether a person's at risk for toxo. And that's the reason we check for toxo seropositivity when people first enter care. And then something people may not think about a lot, but we think about neurosyphilis a lot here because there's a big outbreak of syphilis in Seattle King County. You can't have neurosyphilis if you've never had syphilis. And the serum treponemal tests, the FTA-ABS, the TPPA, and the various enzyme immunoassays measure treponemal antibodies, and they'll tell you if your patient's ever had syphilis, because once positive, always positive. So a person who doesn't have reactivity in those tests really shouldn't be considered as at risk for neurosyphilis. And then prophylactic therapies, the um, obvious ones, Bactrim prophylaxis against toxo. People who are taking Bactrim regularly are at much lower risk of toxo than people who aren't taking it. And fluconazole will prophylax fairly effectively against cryptococcal meningitis. This is a little flow diagram uh, approach to diagnosis in a patient with meningeal symptoms and signs in the setting of HIV. So most common etiologies, cryptococcal meningitis, TB meningitis, syphilitic meningitis, at least uh, in our region. The things you would think about are the things we've already talked about. So CD4, is there CD4 below 200 or below 100, where I'm really going to be thinking about something like crypto? Are they taking fluconazole, which would make crypto less likely? Are they receiving TB therapy, which might make TB less likely or um, might make TB meningitis more likely? TB meningitis can crop up during the course of treatment of pulmonary TB. Serum cryptococcal antigen can help you determine if a patient's at risk for cryptococcal meningitis. PPD or IGRA, chest X-ray, and then FTA-ABS, the TPPA or the EIA as the risk factors for uh, neurosyphilis. And then in neurology, or neuro-ID, and neuro-HIV in particular, we think about CNS iris, just as you would think about it for uh, other diseases in people with HIV, defined as clinical worsening or new disease after starting potent antiretroviral therapy. It can be paradoxical, meaning that you know the person has a CNS infection, you start their antiretrovirals and they get worse, or it can be unmasking. So you start the antiretrovirals, and the person presents with a neurologic illness. For the big-time players in uh, HIV neurology, CNS iris is a problem for two. So it's not a problem with toxo, and particularly not a problem paradoxically with toxo. So there's really no reason not to start your patient with CNS toxo. Um, it's been shown in at least one study that an opening pressure above 350 is associated with a lower survival. 
The things you see in cryptococcal meningitis and HIV are fever, headache, nausea and vomiting, cognitive dysfunction. Meningeal signs and photophobia are less common than in HIV-uninfected people. Focal findings and seizures are uncommon. The onset is usually chronic and insidious, but it can be acute. So this is where I wanted to put it at. See, the vaccinated are, um, are not showing typical meningeal signs um, and photophobia because they're immunocompromised, because of the boosters, right? And their immunity is a little bit different. And here's where it gets money for doctors. It's really hard for a doctor to diagnose patients with such an outbreak. Um, because the response to an experimental vaccine is unknown. So it's making it very difficult uh, for the doctors to do their job. So uh, the, the, the point that I'm, po uh, the reason I'm pointing this out is because once it starts getting out that a lot of people are getting meningitis, they're going to tell people to go get a new vaccine to avoid getting meningitis. And those that have not gotten the vaccine will most likely not require that vaccine because you're not immunocompromised. So um, HIV uh, alters uh, your CD, has different numbers in regards to their CD4s. Uh, you know, for those that have taken the vaccine, I would highly suggest that they have a really good doctor uh, to monitor. A lot of people that have gotten the vaccine have complained of having um, really odd um, immune responses and um, their immunologists uh, that are testing their blood work are finding their IgGs IgMs all over the place so I'm I'm just trying to 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 educate you so you don't panic this isn't to bring fear to you so that you understand um, where I'm going with this if a lot of people, are suddenly dying from this and it's not something that should be an epidemic. And if I heard it from three different people from three different states and all of them are under the age of 50, this is a big deal. Um, and the first one that I heard of was 27. I didn't think much of it. Right. But then I know a lot of people are like, Oh my gosh, they put the swabs way up your nose and they're pushing it in there. And I'm, I'm saying the, the, the meningitis is a very big deal because they don't know how it will respond uh, in the people that have taken the experimental vaccine because it was experimental. Everyone got it at different doses. Last year in August, before everyone talked about it, I um, had showed you how they had different levels of the dose that they were distributing in Cleveland. This was from their own pages. Um, so everyone's effects will be different. Now they're coming out that it targets Sertoli and ovarian cells. Uh, they're finding that it's hepatic, meaning that it targets your coagulation factors at your liver. Uh, they're finding uh, things that it's, you know, altering your myo, um, uh, your um, heart tissue. I don't want to use the elaborate term, your heart tissue, right? And it's causing <laughs> cardiomyopathy. Um, and now they're testing children for heart issues that have gotten the vaccine. And, and this is because it's experimental. So, you know, though we want to get upset at the doctors, 
for not being able to diagnose meningitis on top of things, right, correctly. We have to understand that since they had cohorts that got low-dose vaccine, middle-dose vaccine, high-toxicity vaccine, which are the first ones that were going to go real quick, and then with the children that they're taking a third of the dose or half of the dose, and then again, cohort, low-dose of the half-dose, medium-dose of the death, they can't keep up because they do not know um, – how to respond. And I'm, I'm just indicating to you, just like this study is saying that people that are immunocompromised that have HIV do not have meningeal signs. So it's quite important that, you know, if you know someone, you know, just say something, be like, Hey, you know, maybe you should check this out. Cause I heard a lot of this is going around or something. Um, this is, this is, this is why I'm showing you this because they tried it with the whole measles things and they failed. And so, you know, uh, it's, it's pretty, it's, it's, it's pretty bad. Um, because it's very sudden, right? Uh, sometimes you get coma induced, um, so they can try to put it right. Um, because of the pressure in your cerebral spinal fluid, you may end up handicapped, not being able to walk or just might be a vegetable too. Here's what it looks like. Um, I think it would be interesting to see what it looks like. Let's go. For a newly reactive antigen test, and remember that cell count, glucose, and protein can all be normal. This is an example of cryptococcoma in a fixed brain. So this is a coronal section of brain. Um, this is the, these are ventricles. These are the basal ganglia. And what I'm trying to show you here are these things that can be called cryptococcomas. They're also called gelatinous pseudocysts. What they really are are just perivascular spaces filled with cryptococci. And these look like microvascular disease on neuroimaging, which is why our patient was said to have microvascular disease on his CT. You can get sort of more obvious cryptococcomas, uh, uh, globs of organisms and inflammatory cells, and that's what's shown here on this CT scan. These usually go away with therapy, don't require surgical intervention. So cryptococcus meningitis treatment is, consists of induction, consolidation, and maintenance. So induction, so how do you do it? So I was just going to bring up this trial that was um, highlighted at CROI several times, um, looking at the optimal timing of antiretroviral therapy in cryptococcal meningitis, and I think it's probably the best data we have. So this was the COAT trial conducted in Africa. It enrolled ARV-naive individuals with cryptococcal meningitis who were at least 14 years old. They entered the study at day 7 to 10 of their cryptococcal meningitis therapy, and they were randomized to early antiretroviral therapy or late, deferred. Early was less than 48 hours after entry. Remember that entry's at day 7 to 11. The median was eight, 8 days in this group. Um, deferred was at least four weeks after entry. The median was 35 days. The primary endpoint was survival at 26 weeks. The study planned to enroll 250 people in each group and was closed by the DSMB when they had 88 and 89 because of a significant survival benefit in the deferred group. So I'm pretty sure all of you are asking the same question I asked um, my Latino deskmate when he was studying uh, the overlap between HIV and malaria. 
And um, I asked him, like, where do you find people that will have sex with HIV prostitutes that are positive, you know, (laughs) to get your data? And he's like, you can find anything you want in Africa. And as you see, this study was done in Africa. So you just have to ask yourself that question is how this is the only data we have beside that, that there will be collecting. The treatment was pretty remarkable. Um, IV amphotericin for two weeks combined with high-dose fluconazole, which might have been even continued for a third week if the CSF wasn't sterile at the two-week tap. After that, they went to high-dose or lower-dose fluconazole for eight weeks, then fluconazole maintenance. They had LPs at diagnosis, seven and 14 days, and PRN, high opening pressure. So pretty uh, high-level treatment for this group of patients. These are their data. So the first, and I had to pluck these off of the CROI website, which is why they're a little bit blurry, and I apologize. But so this is the overall survival curve. So proportion surviving on the y-axis by months on the x-axis. You can see it that the deferred group had a 70% survival, which is probably better than any study in Africa to date, compared to 55% in the early ART group. And then they had two pre-specified groups that they looked at in whom they found an interaction. So this is the group um, with low Glasgow Coma Scale, big difference between deferred and early p-value just on the level of significance. Didn't see this in the group with a normal mental status. So only in the group with the lower mental status did they see the difference between deferred and early. And then people who didn't have a CSF inflammatory response. Remember I showed you a cutoff of 20. They used a cutoff of 5. In these people, there was a big difference between deferred and early antiretroviral therapy with a p-value of 0.01. I think this is my last slide. So this is their recommendations to treat the meningitis first and to treat it optimally, to verify that the CSF is sterile before going to consolidation fluconazole or beginning your antiretroviral therapy. They suggested that for most patients, you could start antiretrovirals about four weeks, but for a specific group of people, those with low CSF white cells, abnormal mental status, or sepsis, that you might wait out to five to six weeks. Good morning. My name is Tihana Bicinich and I'm a consultant in infectious diseases at the Centre for Global Health at St George's University of London and St George's Hospital in London. I'm going to talk to you today about the pathogenesis of cryptococcal meningitis in HIV and the two aims of this short talk are to understand the pathogenesis and also be aware of the host immune response. Cryptococcus. So, Cryptococcus is an environmental fungus. It's present in the environment as part of either soil associated with tree bark, including certain species of bush and lopana tree in southern Africa, as well as associated with bird poo. And we are all exposed to this fungus by inhaling it into the lungs. As you can see from this diagram, the spores or dried yeasts are inhaled into the lungs in all of us. And because in most cases the lung infection produces no symptoms, the incubation period for the infection is unknown. The initial infection usually produces no symptoms 
in a minority of cases it can produce symptoms of a pneumonia. In most cases, however, the pathogen stays in the lungs within the alveoli or the lymph nodes of the lungs and enters a period known as latent infection, whereby we are infected, however, there are no symptoms of disease. We know that exposure and infection is very common in adults from studies in the United States done looking at antibodies throughout life and showing that the vast majority of adults have antibodies to cryptococcus. Disease is usually either primary, that means the exposure was recent and the patient develops an infection, usually in the setting of a compromised immune system, or it can be after sometimes a period of latency which can go on for years or even decades, a reactivation of infection. And most evidence supports this latter uh, phenomenon. What happens is that the organism then enters the bloodstream and is disseminated via the bloodstream throughout the body to all organs, but it has a particular predilection for the brain where it causes this disease, a meningoencephalitis. However, it can present with disease at other sites, notably the skin, where it can produce a range of different types of skin lesions from nodules to papules and ulcers, as well as the prostate gland, which is a sanctuary site for this infection, and bones. And importantly to note, even when there is lung infection or lung disease, there is no onward transmission of this infection. In terms of the human immune response to this infection, it involves arms of both the innative and adaptive immune system. The first cell, pictured here, showing a scanning electron micrograph of an alveolar macrophage with little spherical cryptococci attached to it, the first cell that's encountered is the macrophage deep inside the lung in the alveoli. The cryptococcus is opsonized with antibody and complement from the humoral immune response and then is phagocytosed. And like many intracellular pathogens, cryptococcus has adapted to survive and even replicate in macrophages, the very cell that's meant to destroy it. To help destroy cryptococcus within the macrophage, um, there is an interaction between the macrophage and the CD4 positive T cells, so-called T helper cells, which as we know are profoundly low in advanced HIV. The macrophage is activated by the secretion of pro-inflammatory cytokines, so-called Th1 cytokines, including, very importantly, a cytokine called interferon gamma. And this response induces a pathological lesion shown here in the diagram known as a granuloma, which is a mixture of lymphocytes and macrophages with internalized fungus. Usually, and this is a very similar response pathologically to tuberculosis and sometimes difficult to distinguish, if this response is good, in other words, if a person has good cell-mediated immunity, the infection is walled off, producing these nodules or lesions called cryptococcomas, which can occur both in the lung and in the brain. And the organism will be predominantly inside the cells. However, in advanced HIV, where, as I have alluded to above, there is very little T helper cell, the infection is not contained and becomes disseminated with the organism predominantly extracellularly, certainly in brain lesions when they've been looked at on autopsy. 
I mentioned already that cryptococci have adapted partly through their capsule and also through having a melanin pigment in their cell walls to survive and replicate and even be trans transported from one macrophage to another. We also think that the macrophage within the bloodstream is one of the vehicles of dissemination whereby the cryptococci inside the macrophage can be trafficked by the bloodstream through the blood-brain barrier into the brain to establish infection. So in summary, cryptococcus is an environmental fungus that we are all exposed to through inhaling into the lungs. In most cases, the infection is contained, and this is due to both the innate and adaptive arms of the immune system. However, in patients who are immunocompromised, particularly advanced HIV with a CD4 count less than 100, dissemination via the bloodstream occurs into many organs, but the most frequent site of infection is the brain. Thank you. The takeaway here is simple. If you have an unscathed immune system, this type of meningitis is not something that will affect you. If you have a compromised immune system, it is something that will affect you, most likely, not directly, not it will, you are at higher risk. So another key thing is, so people understand the transmission of it, it's your own white blood cells, your own immune system that is compromised, right? That they hitch a ride on. So crypto means hidden, right? So I want you to think of it as a hidden infection that is sitting idly. It doesn't do anything. If your immune system is big, it can't hatch. Think of it like an egg that's hiding. It can't hatch, but it hitches a ride on your own white blood cells. And this is how they believe it enters the blood barrier stream. So I'm just saying, if your immune system is compromised, you are at higher risk. That's all. Um, that's what you have to remember. So when you know, the media comes out in the future claiming that you have to go get these new vaccines, you know, cause tons of people are getting meningitis. You have to remember if your immune system is fine, you should be fine. So people are saying something's wrong with my sound. I'm there. Um, some people aren't. So I just wanted to, um, introduce you to the concept. You hear a lot about it when you're a young mother about your kids and meningitis. And I thought I'd bring it up since, you know, it was yesterday it was told to me and then it was reinforced to me today. And that's where I was like, all right, I've heard this way too much with different people from different states. And therefore, if I'm seeing it from different states, with people that I know that haven't been in contact with each other, that should be concerning. I mean, this is how you collect data, right? This is when they say, oh, you know, I'm going to monitor it. I'm just letting you know, that maybe the, the memory that I had, which was childhood vaccines being pushed again, was not the one for the, you know, for measles that they were pushing a, a few years back, a couple of years ago but it could just be this. And so it, it made sense. And I thought I would just give you some information, which all ties into everything you've seen 2020, 20, 
2020 and 2021 in regards to symptoms and types of deaths, which should concern all of us. Because yes, like I even told my mother today, she was like, oh, you know, and I was like, well, you know, I told you not to take it, right? I told you not to take the vaccine. Like I actually went to school and I have a, a completed degree in that sector. She's like, oh, really smart people took it. Like whatever, you know, she's like, it's no use telling people that they're stupid because they all know that they're stupid for taking it. Okay. Which makes sense. Right. They're waking up. And I think a lot of people are realizing it. And that doesn't mean that we should lack compassion, except for the Karens that want to, you know, liquefy us or put us in the oven uh, because we're not wearing masks or we didn't get vaccinated. Right. The crazy ones. But for the ones that are understanding that something's not right, right, we should always be thinking of how we can help them. So I, 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 I just thought that it would be great for us to just introduce ourselves to this um, concept of a pneumonia becoming meningitis and, you know, a parasitic type of meningitis that occurs that you all have at some point inhaled in your bodies anyway, or maybe eaten in your food anyway, um, to, you know, just be aware of it. Kind of like I said, you should be aware of, you know, other things. Just be aware of it because no one can tell you what is coming definitively and nobody can tell you what you should do and no one should be giving you advice on what you should do. You should be able to choose on your own. Uh, the key here is to educate yourself so that way you can understand and, 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 and preemptively <laughs> know that if someone comes at you and says, well, I think you should go, everybody needs to go get their meningitis vaccines now because we only did hysteria and now we're doing this, everybody run. And people are going to think, oh, okay. Yeah. They've done this before. I mean, we all got the meningitis vaccine when we were young and it's like, yeah, you got that one. You didn't get this one. This one again, maybe experimental, you know, pay attention. So, um, it's important, um, for people, uh, to, to have knowledge, uh, and that is what the population lacks, uh, because I know a lot of people say censorship is to silence people that are saying things that are different. No, it's to control the flow of actual information. The more stupider your generation is, the better. I mean, think of it. We're one of the greatest nations on the planet, yet our education system is in the toilet, Right education system is in the toilet. Uh, you know, uh, Phoebe was asking me, Hey mom, can I do like an exchange student thing? Maybe I can go, you know, to Greece and I can see grandma and hang out with her. Right. Um, and then I was like, you know, no offense. You're, you're in the 10th grade. Right. Um, not saying that she's not smart, but I was like, you'd be going in the 11th grade for four months. Right. In the 11th grade at four months, they're on stereometry and fucking calculus four. you know, while people are still doing algebra two here in the U S you know, they're into in-depth biology and organic chemistry while the concept isn't even grasped by the majority of the students, only the ones that actually want to follow through on that area. So it's really important to understand that they kept the American population stupid and dumb. Hence why we had common core to make us even stupider, right? In order to, um, not be able to put up a fight and articulate ourselves, I mean, you can't fight something you don't know. 
I mean, in your gut, you could say it sounds wrong and I say no, but if you can't argue your position, then you have a problem. I have friends that are doctors and nurses within the military that are standing tall and standing firm on no vaccines, but they're able to articulate and argue their positions based on the knowledge they have. But then, you know, you're, you're fuzzy coming out of boot camp, right? Can't because they don't have that knowledge. The majority of them do not have that knowledge. They just know I'm not taking it. It doesn't feel right. People are stuffing it down my throat. They can't stand firm. You can't argue something if you don't have the information to back up your argument. You know, I just don't want to, doesn't cut it anymore. You know, in America, you know, you have to actually litigate for your life, you know, um, to be able to say no, because they'll tell you you can't say no. So, um, the concern that I have in, 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 in essence, that if this continues to be a trend that down the line, a new vaccine against meningitis may pop up and people may consider it a booster to their meningitis. You watch it be sold as they want, and they may not be able to articulate the differences between the types of meningitis and what it is. I, this is purely informative. So that way we understand that meningitis isn't just one thing. It comes from different. It can be parasitic. It can come from pneumonia, tuberculosis, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, Marburg's has already popped up in the U.S. No one's talking about it. It feels like they want it to creep up out of nowhere. Um, Ebola has already come down. So, uh, again, information is key. I mean, in the age of information, it's your choice to be ignorant. And, um, you know, obviously, you're only going to learn what you need to learn. And hopefully, you know, most of you understand how the transfer happens and how it enters, how it, you know, even the vaccine facilitated um, uh, creating the ability for your HDL cells, for your cholesterol um, to be trapped. And therefore, the JJ vaccine was causing fogginess, right? You understood that because we learned that and, and, and what and why this was a problem because it made people more susceptible to Ebola, which uses the same pathway. So now I am explaining to you that those that got the vaccine are now more susceptible to this bacterial infection, the specific one, and they will not be presenting the typical symptoms, which is going to make it a little bit more difficult for doctors to diagnose them. So, you know, when, when we went through the whole Ebola thing, I, 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 I did that to tell you that, Hey, you're more susceptible to Marburg's and Ebola because, you know, this vaccine is doing this. Well, now we're understanding that the vaccine not only uh, assists in, you know, entrapping lipids in your cells and causing a hyper cholesterol environment, making you think foggy and making you more susceptible um, to contracting these other viruses. But now, as we know, the immune responses and the coagulation factors of, um, your body are affected in some instances, your reproductive cells, um, your cardiac tissues, and your immune system in general is compromised. Therefore, uh, you know, your clinical picture when presenting yourself to the doctor may seem like a simple cold. So again, it increases susceptibility to other things that are more dangerous. Um, Hence the conversation tonight 
about meningitis and the education uh, that is necessary for a lot of people. Now, um, before I go, there is going to be a show that I'm going to do. about the other side of the wall soon, not very soon. We're talking after Easter. But, oh, where is it? Give me a moment. I accidentally clicked off the video. Gosh darn it, where'd it go? Give me a second. I'm looking for it. I I apologize. It is. Okay, you guys ready? This is just a preview of what's coming after Easter. It's important we know. Here we go. Hi, so uh, Peter, Peter from Rekka Movie here, here and uh, uh, with me I have... Matti Delahe from Silver Quill. Uh, I'm working on the uh, Operation High Jump, the prequel game for uh, Iron, Iron Sky Movie. Uh, and I'm the uh, lead designer and uh, commu- community manager for the pro- project. Okay, cool. So, uh, so this is like a prequel now to uh, the Iron Sky movie. So, uh, uh, what's special about uh, Operation High Jump? What kind of game? How how is it being made? Uh, the game is made by a co-group of uh, ten developers uh, in close contact with uh, online community in Rack Movie, and we're accepting all kinds of content content from the community. We're accepting plot ideas, uh, dialogue, uh, character ideas. Uh, general gameplay ideas and also 2D and 3D content. Oh, cool. So you could say that this is uh, one of the first kind of like heavily crowdsourced uh, console games then? Yeah, you could definitely say that. Oh, very cool. So uh, I think it's probably also one of the best, or one of the best obviously, but one of the first uh, uh, games that's being made on Rekka Movie. So what's, what's your experience with using the Rekka Movie platform so far? Uh, Rekka Movie has been really great. Uh, it's it makes really easy uh, to get people to know about the production and uh, get uh, contact with the people. Uh, it makes it easy to add tasks and uh, keep people updated with news. And uh, uh, the platform is really easy to use. Uh, we're really busy on working on the project, uh, making the game. So uh, a really useful, easy to use platform is really essential. Very good. So uh, you could also say then that you get uh, a very engaged community uh, already during the production process, so it it, uh, should be able to help uh, with the marketing as well, I guess. Yeah, you can definitely say so. We're really expecting uh, word of mouth to reach people. Uh, We've got a really enthusiastic response from the community. Yeah, actually, I checked it out and I saw that there's like hundreds of people there working on the game. So even though you're like a small studio, then uh, you actually have, uh, you know, okay, not all six billion people on the planet working for you yet. But uh, there's kind of like the chance that uh, anybody of uh, us here uh, can uh, can join the production. So uh, potentially you could be like the biggest game studio on the planet. Yes, that's definitely true. So when, when can we expect to see uh, Operation High Jump uh, coming out then? Uh, It's going to come out in 2011, uh, uh, possibly quite close to the launch of the actual movie. 
Okay, so that that's uh, that sounds good. So uh, really looking forward to seeing the game and uh, really encourage all of you watching this that you should go and check out uh, recamovie.com and uh, go to Operation High Jump and uh, uh, join the production. You can really help make uh, one of the when make Operation High Jump one of the greatest games ever. So uh, please check it out and join the production. It's been 11 years to see Iron Sky Operation High Jump. So, and it'll be after Easter. Not immediately after, but close. You have to wait for that right time. So that way you can see why it's important. Uh, one thing about memory is, is that People forget very easy. They might remember if it's something that grasps them, but if there's a topic that you discuss and um, it's not addressed immediately, uh, people kind of um, forget. Not completely, but it takes a while. So um, here we go. (laughs) Wrong video. I have B.O.B. who's doing a listening party on his YouTube channel that popped up by accident. I apologize. I wanted to um, I wanted to play another clip, but I'm going to leave it for a second. I'm going to leave it, and I'm just going to end it with a small clip. Thank you. Um, I have a question and a statement, if you don't mind. Do the statement first. And- oh, okay. Well, my name is Andrea Ortega, and I'm a sophomore here at the university, and um, I'm very liberal. Uh-huh. So I came here at, for one of my classes because we were encouraged to come with an open mind, and that is what I did come with. And a part of my statement is that um, you say that you're speaking from diversity, but then at the same time, you're making statements like multicultural, uh, multicultural diversity crap. And you make several statements that are very hypocritical of the position that you have. Like um, black people referring to them as Uncle Tom's and referring to your What was your reading comprehension score? That is what the left calls black conservatives if they disagree with the liberal orthodoxy. Yes, yes. I'm fine with it. I love this. Um, I just don't understand why you're saying that you are for diversity when you are making so many racial undertones about diversity and how racist you are being about racism. You're saying that... This was the type of stuff why one must reject the post-structural. No offense, you are the definition of the indoctrination and you don't even understand what you're saying. God help us. I am not going to accept that 
feel that I'm being brave, but I just want to say that if you want college students to understand your campaign, you're going to actually have to follow through with how open-minded you say you're being. <laughs> Where's the question? What's the question? Well, I was going to ask something, but I feel that you're not going to listen to what I have to Well, I understand the language, and you're implying that I'm racist. Okay? And that is what you are, that is going to be the sum total of your education as you go out there, and you're not going to be able to make anything. And that's why I graduated with my American Studies degree. The ability to judge other Americans as not being sufficiently tolerant because they didn't agree with the left's definition of tolerance. And I'm telling you this, is that you need to understand what multiculturalism is and what political correctness is. And it is, it is cultural Marxism. And it is the translation of Marxist theory from instead of the haves versus the have-nots. It didn't work in this country. So they created the oppressor versus the oppressed. And so they pitted people in the name of diversity, where they pit Hispanics against each other. Do you know what La Raza is? Do you know what the Reconquistador movement is? It is a racist movement in this country. What about the New Black Panthers, who are supported? They're racist. And the, and, and the definition of racism is only white people can be racist because black and Hispanics can't be. It, that is malarkey. They have you thinking in terms of race. Uh, they have you thinking in terms of race. Everything is race. There was a world before this that was created. The buildings that were made here were made by people who didn't graduate their colleges obsessed with race. They learned, they learned through math. They learned through science how to improve. I'm answering. You had your statement. You had your statement. And I am answering it. You do not interrupt me. This educational system is going to fail you. You will not be able to invent a widget and you certainly won't be able to build it in this country anymore. They have ruined. I am the ultimate example. I graduated from college believing exactly as you believe, and I walked in, in from the theoretical world into the real world and realized if I wanted to put rice on the table and pay for my rent, I better get out of this victimhood mentality, and I did. And listen to Hispanic conservatives. Listen to black conservatives. I'm the guy. I'm the guy who has many people on the right saying, what are you doing on the Go Proud advisory board? Uh, if I, if you can't be gay and conservative, then I'm not conservative. If you are, it doesn't make, even make sense to me. If you believe in fiscal conservatism, if you believe in uh, personal responsibility, if you believe in a strong national defense, I want you on my team. That's where I'm coming from. And so you are 
brainwashed to think I am a racist and you think I'm speaking in code terms. I don't think I could be any more explicit. I say what I mean and I mean what I say. And I believe to the core of my being that this country will be destroyed by people like you who think you are doing good while you divide. You divide into separate different categories and we pit against each other. There should be no congressional black caucus. There should be no Latino caucus. Pluribus Unum. E beats multiculturalism. That's it. You already had your main point. behind you. It's unfair to the people behind you. So that was Andy Breitbart over a decade ago, 11 years ago, educating the masses and telling them exactly where they would be. And yesterday I showed you through talking of Ukraine that you are where Ukraine was in 2014. I'm glad the mainstream media picked up my show. A little bit salty, but I'm glad. Because people need to see these things for what they are. People need to understand exactly what is being said. It's not about... You know, even the people cheering and telling her to shut up, I know it was more tribal and whatever, was not a good thing. They will talk themselves in circles until they understand it. The same people that will have doubts and realize that those that chose a path and made a conscious decision to participate in an experiment are uh, being harmed. There will be people that will hate you for not being harmed. And then they will create more division, which they already have. So I just want you guys to, to brace for what they're going to bring. Now, tomorrow we'll talk about stuff that we need to talk about. I know a lot of people are saying, let's talk about Fauci. It's not time to talk about Fauci. We don't need to talk about Fauci. He's hiding right now. And there's a reason for that. The reason that he's hiding is exactly what I've been trying to describe today without making any affirmative statements you need to do is look at what you're doing in your sphere, right? Because this is a recreation of the Carters. <laughs> Only bigger. God bless everyone. Yeah.